What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. It's the end of another week, man. Situation yeah. in Singapore is bubbling up, man. Yeah, and and to to combat the issue of the racist racism divide mm. today. We have brought on an expert in Singapore-China relations. How is that combating <laughs> the racism divide? Huh? You just made me a minority in our own studio. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yes. Ah, Sorry, I, I've destroyed the safe space yeah, that used to exist. <laughs> it was always 50-50. Now it's 66-33. Hmm. Okay. But thankfully, we know this gentleman. Uh, he hmm. is none other than Mr. Yao Lishan, who was the writer-director of our recent Chinese TV series that premiered. yes. And yes. it's called The Amazing Showman. Na So Hao Si. Which is now available on Me Watch. And if you open up Me Watch, it's actually the one of the main titles that is being promoted <laughs> on the front page. And the link is also in the show notes. So yeah. wherever you're listening to this, just check it out, okay? Yeah. But for now, welcome to Yalabad, Mr. Yao Li Shan. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited, very honored to be on Singapore's premiere. Uh, podcast. <laughs> That's right. Thanks mm. for reading out the script as we sent you last night over WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll pay now you, pay yeah, now you later for pay. the You sent us your, uh, what's the UEN? Uh, UEN? QR code. You, you already have it. QR code. Oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah, already have, have it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so is this the first podcast you have ever done? You've yes, ever been on? Yes. Oh, it is. You mean China don't have podcasts? Uh? God, God. It's, it's quite a big thing also in China. Is it on a platform or something? There's a few. Mm. There's a few, but I, I I wouldn't be able to give you any names offhand because I don't really listen to podcasts. Okay. So, okay. But, but just rewind a bit. Why we mm. are talking about Singapore, China and all that is because, um, I mean, although Alex has is worked on our, I mean, Mr. Yao. Mr. Yao. Sorry. Worked <laughs> on our, um, our Amazing Showman series. Uh, actually, he's been based in China uh, as a also writer, director and, and, and doing a lot of different things within the film industry in China, mm. of all places, uh, um, for many years already. And he's worked with a lot of big names in the Chinese film industry as well. So maybe it's best for you to also just give us a rundown of what your CV is. Lah. But, but don't, don't, not, yeah, just cut all the boring bits. Uh, you know, <laughs> just go straight to the hot <laughs> Most stuff. Most of it is boring. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. starting with the, the mistake you first did by going to AC as a secondary school. <laughs> but then after that, how you corrected yourself. <laughs> la. These, mm. these are fighting words, man. <laughs> <laughs> These are fighting words. No, no, because I mean, we make fun of it. But the truth is, the reputation of AC boys and their, their mastery of Chinese is usually that the stereotype is that ACS boys can't speak Chinese very well. Uh, but you have lived and worked in China. I, I would, yeah, I would venture to say, right, that, that, there's a, that, that, that what you just mentioned, that stereotype is not inaccurate, right? Mm. But I will say that if an ACS boy wants to be good at Chinese, his Chinese will be better than anyone else's. Wow. Oh. Well, you can never, the AC, the AC pride still strong in you. Yeah. Uh. So that's it's just a matter of whether you want to spend effort and time to do that <laughs> or not. <laughs> What's the saying, the AC saying? The one that they always say at their weddings. When the best are, is yet to be, right? The best is yet to be. The best is yet to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. So you graduated from, uh, so after university and all, you were not in media. You were not in no. film. Okay, so my story is that I, I, after NS, I went off to the US uh, for university mm. and uh, I was taking a very conventional route. Went into, uh, I was in, I went to New York for school and mm. then after I graduated, I, um, I did the whole finance, Wall Street, Wall Street thing. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like me, like, like, me, like, 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 like Darren's. Darren's. Yeah. 
Um, so I did that for three years, and then um, you know I I I did enjoy it very much, and I thought that I would do it for a few years, but I don't think I would have ever done it for my whole life as a career. Mm. Uh, just something that you know, it's just one of those things. You're young, you just graduated. It's like the hot industry, mm. and then you go and do it because you want to prove yourself or you just want to have 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 fun, right? So this was like the hardcore eye banking, like eighteen hour day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was uh, IBD. You know, I was in a financial institutions group. And this was 2000 like, uh, and... This was 2005 to 2008. So pre... I mean, some, somewhat during the... When then things started... So this, hit, was, right, this was right after the tech tech boom. Mm. Tech boom exploded in 2000. So it, yeah. was, it was very dry after that. Mm. Then about 2004, 2005, the industry started to pick up again. Mm. So I caught that rising wave... Um, and then uh, that time from 2005 to 2008 was the big leverage buyout boom because mm. debt was very cheap. So mm. there were a lot of like uh, M&A deals, like leverage buyout deals. And then in 2008, like Bestons uh, liquidated yeah. and then everything blew up. Yeah. Mm. So for me, that was kind of like an opportunity for me to try something else because I had always wanted to, I was always more inclined towards like arts, mm. uh, creative mm. stuff. Oh, so you were like from young? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. mean you weren't laid off from your finance job? That's why you had to go and do no, arts? No, 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 no. But, just kidding, but, kidding, kidding. But, that's what a lot of people assume. But, but, <laughs> well, look, if, if you should watch it, look at Yao's face right now. Yeah, yeah, he's about he's to like, throw the coffee in Darius's face. Like, <laughs> no, but, ask me to come on your podcast. <laughs> fucking just spring, <laughs> spring on us like... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everyone, just to just let for everyone who's listening, we always ask our guests what do they not want to talk about before the podcast. Yeah, like, don't we? We don't. We don't like do this without their consent or anything. Yeah, and so, that was not one something that Yao mentioned. Yeah, it was yeah. not something. So, so yeah. yeah. So it's <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, uh, no, but but at that point in time, the opportunity cost is very mm. low, right? Because like even if you stayed on, like the bonuses were, were, were bad and then there were no deals to work on. Mm. So I figured like, you know, this was the, this is the right opportunity for me to go and try something else, right? Mm. I tried to work in film, which is something I always um, had thought about, but never uh, really um, made the effort to do, right? Mm. I mean, part of it was also because like as a Singaporean, you're a foreigner in the US yep. and then like you need your your visa Correct. Um, and then film companies, they don't provide yeah. don't provide visa. So oh, it's is not, it? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's also a very practical thing. La. Yeah. Mm. Um, so after that, I decided to switch. Mm. Then I spent, I actually spent, I spent about three months in Hawaii at a VC firm it was actually a, it was an it was actually an excuse to go surfing, yeah. Uh, so I spent three months in in Hawaii, and then after that I made the switch. So I I moved to I moved to Beijing after that. But oh. but you said you were interested in media since young. But did you actively create stuff? Did you no no I was interested in like film. Okay film yeah okay. But did you did you make your but own? I film? didn't did make my own film because you may recall right like we are from the same generation. Back uh -huh. then, it, there was no digital phone. There was no digital camera. Mm. So it was a lot, uh, it was a lot harder to, 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 to create stuff than mm, it is yeah. to, to today. Mm. But do you take part in like stage plays or drama or theater or anything? Uh, some, I was always, I did a lot of creative writing. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. But uh, where, where was that writing? For, for stage plays or just for your just own Just for journal? my own, just for my own oh. uh, entertainment. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, then when you when you went to Hawaii for three months, which sounds fucking awesome, what the VC was based there, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a don't you know there's a lot of startup activity <laughs> yeah, in Hawaii. There's, <laughs> yeah, a there's lot, a lot. Right? There's a lot of uh, renewable energy uh, oh, tech yeah. stuff because the government I, was. Uh, sorry, the, I meant it as a joke, the, but then oh. he's, he's totally serious. <laughs> 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 I'm totally serious. Really, I'm dead serious because back then, like the state, uh, the state. Government was giving a yeah. lot of like subsidies, but I'm sure when you tell mm. people, yeah, you know, I was working at a VC in Hawaii for three months, they'll be like, yeah, oh yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 no, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was there, I was there to surf. Uh, I was there to surf. Like yeah. getting a getting a job there was just an excuse for me to get housing and uh, get mm. paid. Uh-huh. Then I was out surfing at six, seven in the morning. It was the only time I ever, I have, I ever woke up before the sunrise consistently on my own accord without having someone to force me to. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. because the waves waves are really beautiful. But had you already surfed or you just thought, I mean, Hawaii, fuck it, I'm going to surf? No, I, I I applied for a job there because I wanted to learn how to surf. Oh, oh, learn how to surf. but yeah. what, what about you made you want to learn to surf? Oh, it's just one of those things that I wanted to do. Oh. Yeah. 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 So you can walk on the beach in slow motion carrying your surfboard? <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. Yeah. The, the the joke just died. Eh, like, eh, yeah, yeah, I could tell from the silence. <laughs> no, hell. but but um, uh. actually, just rewind a little bit, lah. So you you were mentioning that actually it's hard to get a a visa and mm. everything, lah. So um, does didn't the practical side of you just say, fuck it, just stay in finance for a bit longer, you know? Then maybe I can, you know, even finance, you can still invest in movies, you can do all that kind of stuff. All right, how come you side, didn't think yeah. about doing that, lah? Why 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 do you because uh, this is a question that, that a lot of people ask me also, and, and I have my way of answering it, but I also want to hear from other people who have done it. Like, why you're practically uh, nuking your entire existence, right? In a way, you change your job, you change country, change profession, everything, you know. So, why, why, why so drastic? Well, I mean, uh, different people will, will evaluate it differently. Mm. Um, for me, like, I wanted to be in, I mean, like, even you talk about creative stuff, right? Mm. There's also like executive versus creative. Right. Mm. So a lot of you you can go and switch to like, you know, go and work at like a big corporation like Disney or whatever it is, yeah. but in an executive role, right? Mm. So you are more like um managing projects, but you're not actually creating like writing scripts, like yeah. directing, drawing, that kind of stuff. Uh for me I wanted to do like the creative stuff. Mm. You know. And then for me it was like, yeah, you're right. Um you know, it's a whole change of lifestyle. It's a whole change of uh, environment. But it's one of those things you still do, you know, when you're in your 20s, you don't, you, mm. you have no fear of failure, right? Correct, you just correct. go and you just want to do something and you, you know, you, you don't have this baggage about what it's like to fail, right? You just mm. go and do it. And at that point also, it's like the worst case scenario, you, you know, you just go back to business school and then mm. it's like a reboot. Yeah, mm. correct, But correct. you never thought about coming back to Singapore? Work for MediaCorp or something? <laughs> No. No, uh, no, 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 but then that okay. Then why China? Why China? How how did it go from Hawaii to China? Yeah, because um, well, I had because I'm Asian, so mm. I much more interested in Asian stories, and I didn't really have that much of. Int- I mean, I enjoy watching all sorts of movies, right? But then for me, it's like, what's my value add if I stay in the US and. Uh, you know, work in the film industry here. Mm, mm. And then part of it as I had also been in New York for about about eight years by then. So I was like kind of um, itching for a change of environment. Mm. And then around the same time I was actually traveling, mm. I, I visited China uh, before I made the switch. And it was a very exciting place to be. 
You know, I had a lot mm. of uh, some colleagues who went there for the MBAs, who moved there for work, mm. and it was just very fun, very very fun times. It was um, right after the Olympics, and there was a sort of energy, a sort of like optimism that mm. I was no longer getting in New York. Mm. Uh, yeah. And your Chinese was at what level back then? Uh, practically non-existent. Oh, really? Yeah, like typical Singaporean Chinese, but worse. I see. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, so that's you, also the AC level, uh, AC. AC level. Yeah, uh, yeah, AC yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. But then, like what you say, you put your mind to it, and then now your Chinese is like next level. Uh. Well, because because I work in the the film industry, right, mm. which is considered like cultural 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 industry, right. Yeah, so yeah. if I go down there, I'm ethnically Chinese, but I cannot speak Chinese properly. Like mm. one of all, first of all, like people kind of keep making fun of you, mm, yeah. right. Secondly, it's also sort of like if it's like you work in the music industry but you're tone deaf mm. right like you need to be able to read scripts you need to be able to participate in meetings um in discussions right i mean yeah, it's yeah. just basic literacy in the language that you in the environment that you are working in mm. right in addition to that like because you work in the cultural stuff you, you your understanding of that culture needs to be even better i, I mean ideally it should be mm. better than than the average person, yeah. you know, if not, your position will always be like that foreigner, yeah, right? Uh, you know, there are a lot of people like American Chinese or Canadian Chinese or Australian Chinese. They 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 also can find work in China, mm. but you'll always be known as like the foreigner. Mm. Uh, you'll not be treated as like a local, mm. you know. Mm. And uh, with a place like, I mean, like with everywhere, you really need. Uh, there's advantages of, there's advantages and disadvantages of being perceived as a foreigner versus a local. Mm. So th this very much feeds into that. So so it was one trip to China. Then you decided, okay, you're gonna go there. And I mean, like just the story of how you went there and then you ended up working with people like John Wu, yeah. like hand in hand with John Wu, which is fucking amazing. Mm. So when you went there. Like, do you know anyone? Did you? No, no, no. I just cold caught people. No, so yeah, just just oh. to dig into that a bit, uh, Before we go into the whole John Woo, the exciting yeah. stuff, you're like just this guy in your twenties, Singaporean, but you know a bit of Chinese. Then you just buy a ticket to go to China and housing. No, I got a that. I got a job first before. You I got a job there, first yeah. before you go. Uh, oh, yeah. okay, so you okay. were doing interviews and all these things, like. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. okay. Yes, yes, but yes. do you need a visa to to live in China or anything? Uh, back then, back then it was still quite still wild, quite wild west. Wild, wild west. Yeah. Uh. Now it's tightened up a lot. Uh. Even for Singaporean Chinese. Uh. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. So so what job did you get? Uh, I started working with John. Oh, that was your first job. Yeah, that was my first job. So like, but you apply. I assume for those kind of jobs, did you have any professional filmmaking experience or no? So then, what was that? What was that job uh? So. Well, uh, sorry, I don't know. Because when you apply, I assume that if you want to work in the film industry, the first thing would be, okay, what, what have you done? But if you have no experience... Oh, yeah. So I position myself as a, as a, as a, as a corporate finance banker type. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I started working off with, with, uh, under his producer uh -huh. because I, I said that um, you know, I don't have any uh, film, film experience, but I do have a lot of uh, corporate experience. I can deal with contracts cash flows, structures, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people, people always ask me that same question, right? Mm. Like, but I think it's uh, people, you know, people uh, also kind of forget that the film industry is an industry, right? Mm. So the creative is, is only like one, 25% of the whole picture. Mm. You know, you have marketing, you have the financing, you have the distribution, right? Yeah. And, and, and so like my, my strength was in dealing with contracts and, and finance. Mm. So that was how I positioned myself 
um, to 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 get in. And but, and how do you catch wind of that opportunity in the first place? Because were you like following? Okay, like did you always want to work with John Woo, or was the producer someone you have been following? Or so basically, ask me how I got my job. Is it? Yeah. So I was reading the news, and then I read like John was like uh, trying to do more work in China. Mm. So I literally just quote called his office. And I wrote a letter to the producer saying like, you know, um, I, I know you guys are trying to build up your business. Um, I want to come and work in China. Here's my, here's my resume. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I see a lot of parallels between all three of us. La. Basically, like, you know, when you wanted to jump to Scoot as well, mm. you also just cold emailed as yeah. well. He also just cold emailed to get a job in China. I also just literally left a comment on a, on a blog, post, right? Blog, yeah. yeah to get into the industry. So, so, so I mean, if, if anything, um, yeah, like, a lot of times it just shows you just need to, you know, take the first big step, even though it seems ridiculous yeah. and, and all that. Yeah. And you don't know where 10 years later you, you end up. At the most, you just get rejected. Right? Yeah. 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 So now the equivalent is what? Comment on TikTok, retweet. But Twitter, like Twitter, for example, Twitter, yeah. yeah, it can yeah, really open a, door, a lot of doors. Even Facebook, yeah. I mean TikTok to a certain extent who knows who knows yeah. the main thing is you if you reach out you never know right yeah. mm. so so uh, I mean the the I think the interesting thing about about all this is that you Alex was doing it devoid of the oh, sorry Mr. Yao <laughs> Mr. Yao <laughs> shit I keep I keep like, <laughs> like, like Yao. calling you nicknames that I can't Mr. I can't Yao. Mr. Yeah. Yao Mr. Yao did it devoid yeah, Yao, Yao is fine Mr. Yao. Yao when you say it sounds very sarcastic Mr. Yao <laughs> no but, but Mr. Yao did this <laughs> with devoid of the language devoid yeah. of like context devoid of any context of the country that he was going to move to. Mm. That's what I think was, is pretty crazy. La, mm, you know? mm. Like for me, like I was coming back to Singapore, la, so it was a bit, at least one aspect of it was a bit more, I know what I'm getting into. And yeah. For you, I Same mean, la, even when I jumped from corporate to corporate, uh, media, yeah. it was in Singapore. It uh, was a yeah, certain yeah, level yeah, of familiarity. Yeah. So so was John Woo one of your favorite film directors? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was? Yeah. Ah. So what was the, wow. what was it like, like, Part of that job getting process, the interviews and all, you interviewed with him or it was just his producer? So, okay, so it's quite it's quite a funny story because like I met up with his with the producer. In China? In Hong Kong, actually. In Hong Kong, okay. So, because they were, they were in Hong Kong for uh, some film festival mm. or some film award or something. So, I mm. flew down there. I flew, I flew over to meet him. So, I met the producer in the morning and then I had my meeting with him. Mm. And then he's like, what are you doing in the afternoon? And I was like, no plans. And he said, "Okay, come with me. Um, we, go, we go and meet. We go and meet John." Mm. Right? So I was like, "Okay, sure." Mm. So so we went to the. It was at the Grand Hyatt mm. in um, in Wan Chai. Yeah. So we went down, and then John was sitting in the lobby, holding court like a like a gangster boss. He yeah. was sitting on the couch, surrounded by producers <laughs> and like some other people talking yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah. And then so I sat by the by the at the at the at the furthest end of the sofa. Yeah, uh, looking like an idiot in my suit and tie, where, <laughs> and then next to the producer. So after John finished his meeting, everyone left. Then the producer walks up to him, then like you know whispers into his ear, you know, and then points like points in my direction. <laughs> then John looks at me, then whispers something to the producer. Then after I, that was that. Then the producer comes back to me and says like, "Okay, John says you're hired." <laughs> <laughs> what? 
and, and like back like by that point John already was like a fucking well known director lah right yeah I mean I he mean, was Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood before we were born we were, before we were born he was yeah really he was really big deal, big yeah. deal yeah so 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 after John like waves me over then he 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 he's, so I scoot over to him and he he he's got a very bass voice right it sounds very gravelly like uh, yakuza yakuza boss and he looks at me he's in Cantonese and he's like so <clears throat> what's your name. And I was like, oh, my name is uh, Yao Lishan. So, so you're speaking Cantonese? Also? I was speaking like, barely possible. I mean, I can understand it. I can uh, barely speak it. Okay. So he said like, so mm, what's your name? Then I was like, oh, my name is uh, Yao Lishan. Mm, you like movies, huh? Then I was like, yeah, yeah. Mm, good. Welcome. <laughs> that was that. <laughs> That's it. He never asked you to. That was like, my first. That was my first meeting with him. He never asked you to like kiss a ring or something like that to join join the clan. He never tells you like about his movies or anything. Uh. that came later. Comes later. Uh, that came uh, later when we started working. So okay, so that was the first meeting. But then, yeah. then, then was what like okay? Now you're going to be living in China, living in Hong Kong, or yeah. So so uh, back, but at that point in time, he was uh, based in China uh-huh. because he was. Uh, they just wrapped the uh, Red Cliff, and I think mm. moving on to the next project. Mm-hmm. So then I moved to China, and then um, yeah. So then I just relocated to start work with him. So he had a company like a production. Actually, a uh, pause. Uh, do do your, your your listeners mostly millennials, right? Do they? <laughs> I'm very scared. They don't even know. Who John Wu is. No, don't worry. Yeah, no, and we can keep this in uh, because that's a valid question. So yeah. to those of you no, listening, because, because in China, like some yeah. like some of the millennials, they really don't know. I think no, no, okay. No, 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 yeah. I think okay. If you're listening to this and you don't mm. know John Wu, uh, maybe just shame think, on you. Yeah, shame on you. First of all, shame, shame on you. And then the once you feel the shame, you just Google John Wu and even go to his Wikipedia entry and look at his filmography, like, Yeah. Because he's done a lot of Mandarin movies, Cantonese. No. If you watch Mission Impossible 7 or 8, just remember Mission Impossible 2 was by John Woo. Yeah. yeah. And stuff like Face Off. Yeah. Uh, what other big, big He basically Hollywood reinvented movies? like the whole uh, Hong Kong gangster film mm. and action film genre in the 80s and the 90s. Mm. Yeah. All the, you know, uh, very ultra-violent, like mm. action, very poetic, yeah. uh, hyper-kinetic action sequences. Yeah. That was all, all of his and design. And became, it became a brand. La. Like when there was a movie coming out, it was almost like a John Woo film. Yeah. As opposed to yeah. a movie starring Nicolas Cage or John yeah, Woo. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. a John yeah. Woo film. So yeah. he so, went off to Hollywood after that. Then he did as you said uh, Mission Impossible 2 with yeah. Tom Cruise and then did Face yeah. Off and yeah. then did all so this big so if you don't know John Woo again shame on you okay shame yeah. no but I mean uh, I think I think uh, Alex was just very worried that people don't know John Woo but I think the whole point is to also give people a bit of a you know a bit of a primer about you know who John Woo is and everything mm-hmm. like. so, so so I, I think I think is I mean don't worry I don't worry like our audience be fine, is, be fine. they do their research as well okay. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he was how old at the time? I think he was in his sixties, maybe. So, how big was his team? Like, you were you were brought on, and then like what? The next day was like next no, next because, week rolling. Because, okay, you so never. I mean, you on the spot. You never. Hey, John. Uh, how about my CPF and contribution? And everything. Yeah, that's why. What's my What's my my five year? You know, like uh, what's the What's the future planning? Is it future annual wage supplement? Annual wage supplement. Is it? <laughs> Is you there skills future? Yeah, so I had to, I had to, I had to unlearn a lot of stuff that I learned in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what? Literally, what happened in the next few days? Because yeah, like what you no, said. So so he he went off to do his thing. Uh-huh. Then I went home, and then I I, I you didn't we, ask about salary or anything. 
No, he doesn't care about the company. Oh, it's a producer. They want you to discuss the producer. So it was a, it was a. His company had an arm in China. Or it was an entirely new setup in China. Um, it was a production office. Okay, production uh, very office. small. It was very small. Mm. So back then they just had because it's, it's it works on a skeleton team, right? Yeah. So producer, director, um, you know, one development associate, mm. and then when you need to start shooting, then you hire all the crew. Yeah. 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 Um, so so they needed more development associates. So I was the mm. second person they hired. Ah, okay. Yeah. Actually, it's an interesting nugget also. I think uh, the first place I met Yao was also at Grand Hyatt Hotel in the, lo- in the cafe in the lobby. Mm. I think it was a meeting that uh, our my Singapore company and his his production company was having. Now I just went in there also wearing a suit and, and tie and everything. Then was Yao sitting on a throne with a gravelly no, voice? No, he was just it? sitting next to the producer whose name was... Terence, Terence as well, right? Yeah. Well, that's the guy who you started talking to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw this guy. Hey, this guy looks like for Hong Kong guy. He looks very Singaporean, uh, You know, in a way. Well, you could sniff out I the Singaporean. Sniff out the Singaporeanness <laughs> in him. Uh. Then got carry notebook and kind of thing. Very wow. So, good <laughs> very student. Very nerdy. Ah, uh, very good student kind of. You know, but then, but then he wasn't wearing so a this suit. This is uh. what I was telling you. You have to unlearn all the stuff you learned in the banks. Uh. No, yeah, so yeah, could, yeah. could you sniff out the Singaporeanness in Terence? Oh, oh, but it was a Singapore company. Singapore company. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, okay, okay. But, but, but then I was like, that's true. What the fuck? This guy, like, he speaks English pretty well also and, and mm. everything. I was like, what, what the fuck is he doing here in Hong Kong? Because the Grand Hyatt is right next to where the Hong Kong film market was. And the cool thing is that all the celebrities and directors and all that who have meetings that would be they, a they do at the Grand Hyatt. Mm. So I literally saw Donnie Yen walk in in a tracksuit and then like, you know, was like talking to Peter Chan in the Grand Hyatt mm. cafe. Mm. So, so it's a little bit of like film history also that place. Uh, that so Hyatt so you cafe. met Alex, well, after you you went up to oh, him and Yao, said, Yao, Yao. See, yeah. fuck, you rubbed off on me already. Uh, Yao, you met Yao and then after that was like, eh, you like you started saying the pledge a bit and you, then he joined in or something, is it? No, I think after that we had to correspond a bit, oh. follow up. Because like, the hey, boss will always be, I'll have my guys contact yeah, your guys. You are you're with the guys. Yeah. Well, so, so we were the guys. <laughs> la. yeah, we were the guys. <laughs> I said, hey dude, you're Singaporean. Uh, that kind of thing. Okay, uh. then I, I, after that, subsequently a few more times that I went to Beijing, I, I, I would make it a point to to just give him a catch up with him like over mm. coffee or something. Mm. Just find out what the hell is what the hell is this guy doing here? So so you, like w- when you started working with John Woo's uh, production company, what what was the first film that you guys started filming? Because the process I assume is the same like what you said like you there's a story you develop it, you get I don't know, you fundraise, you get investors in, you get blah blah, blah and then it moves into production. So how long did it take before you were on set? Oh, it took a while. <laughs> oh, it took a while. Yeah. No, and were you uh, based in China? I thought I thought your com- that that production company had an office in LA as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So but you, LA is a Hollywood project. Also, and China you, is a Chinese project. Also, you just went straight to China. Yeah. Like, you didn't go to LA yeah. or anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because back then, back then was uh, China was getting really, really hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So everyone was like moving into China. Uh, I see, mm. I see. Yeah. So you were doing the spreadsheet stuff, lah. Initially. No, so so it was so so this is so at first I was basically doing all the grunt work right? Uh, just dealing with uh, so so part of what um, for your for your listeners, right? Part of what a uh, how a lot of people start in the business is that once you become a development executive, it's one of the it's one of the lowest positions, mm-hmm. uh, entry level. So what you do is you read a lot of scripts. Yeah. So because the agents will send the uh, scripts to the talent, yeah. and then talent's not going to read everything. 
um, himself. Mm. So then they need so, uh, they need someone to provide all the coverage to read like the stacks of scripts mm. that come in every day. Yeah. So uh, that that was my job now, right? Oh. So so I read a lot of coverage, um, and then wrote reports. Um, and then he was working on his own script at the time. So I helped him do a lot of research. This is John. John this, yeah, John was oh, okay. preparing uh, Flying Tigers at a yeah, point in time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, because the Flying Tigers is a story about uh, all these American mercenaries in World War II who were uh, helping the Chinese fight the Japanese. So American pilots. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the, so there's a lot of Chinese historical sources, but there's also a lot of Engli uh, uh, English language historical sources. Mm. So I had, to read a lot of the the English stuff to mm. and then write sort of like summary reports for him oh. uh, to a story. Oh, that's perfect, uh. You so, read the English. Yeah. English so stuff so like then that. I he, he was he, you know he was like why don't you just help me kind of summarize it into a scene? So I started mm. writing all these like very small scenes for him. Oh. Uh, but um, because I there was a lot of oral oral histories, mm. so I read all these oral histories and then I pick out the best parts and then just sort of summarize it. So in that sense, in that sense, I was really kind of like being trained, you know, to mm. kind of like. Right, find the meat of a story yeah. or something. Yeah. So, so, so that was in addition to 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 all the other stuff that I had to do for the producer. Mm. So that was how I ended up kind of like uh, getting uh, slowly getting involved in the creative. Was it like like of. a dream come true doing that? And like every morning when you walk to work, were you like skipping in your step? And it, it was kind of it was kind of stressful also because because at the time my Chinese was not that good, and mm. I was also in addition to getting English scripts, I was also getting a lot of uh, Chinese Chinese scripts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I had to. That was when I really had to start kind of uh, spending a lot of time improving my improving. My and Chinese. you learned that on your own, or you just like. As when you don't know you don't know a word you you look it up or you took courses or something. Yeah, so I would go through the I would go through the script, uh, underline every single word I don't know, and then go and check the dictionary and mm. then write the the character over again. Basically, mm. like learning Chinese in school, but I was doing it. In oh, my, so Singapore in trained my, you well, uh. I was doing that in my my twenties, lah. Lee Kuan Yew, Lee Kuan Yew would be very proud. Uh. Yeah, Lee Kuan, Lee Kuan Yew himself was taking Chinese lessons, tuition lessons in his fifties or forties, thirties and forties. Uh. Yeah. Mm. But uh, but just just um, let, let's go let's let's go back into that that uh that phase, lah. So you were living alone in China, lah, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and you were staying in your own your own bachelor pad or something. Mm -hmm. Was it like, uh, what kind of existence was it? Uh? Is it like, um, you know, like every day you're partying hard and then you go and work and then you get killed at the end of the work day, go and drink with your friends. Or oh, the celebrities existence? and, you know, like mingling. Yeah, yeah, the, you know. Those, those were really fun days, man. No, so <laughs> is, that the, is that the reality of the film industry in China and people who um, work well, there? Well, I that? mean, that's the reality of a 20-something young person in a big city in, mm. in China. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, those were really fun days. Mm. Uh, China was really booming. You know, I was out like three times a week. Mm. You know, and then a lot of a lot of people from a lot of ethnically Chinese people from all over the world. Yeah. A lot of like American Chinese, Canadian Chinese, Hong uh, people from Hong Kong, mm. um, all, all in China. So mm. every, I was out like like almost every night. And th this is which part of China again? Beijing. Beijing. Okay. Yeah. I see. And then like, you know, the, because it was booming, that was right after the Olympics. So the economy was was out of control, right? Yeah, so yeah. a lot of new restaurants opened up, a lot of a lot of clubs, a lot of bars, Haiti a lot Haiti of Haiti uh, cultural events. Well, I think I think Terrence was expecting more like, you know, I used to work every day, come back to a lonely apartment, but just think about the dream of no, 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 film. no, 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 none <laughs> no. of that at all. Because uh my I mean, it just has so happened in my job that point in time required me to go to China quite a lot. So actually, you do remember we met quite a number of times. Even, yeah. even within a year, maybe like three or four times. Uh. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, just just like the scene there was like it felt like when I went to Berlin for backpacking that kind of thing where yeah. the club were all oh, this is a new club you go and check it out and then oh there's this underground place go and check it out there's this like hidden cocktail mm. bar go and check it yeah. out so actually it was like like what he says like, it's not it wasn't as regulated probably it wasn't yeah. a lot of new things coming out so it was actually it was really fun but it was also really chill yeah. So yeah. you know you didn't have to have, like dress code. People are not mm. like you know letting you in depending on you know whether you got bottle service, dropping yeah. like two hundred bucks for a bottle. You know at the the fancy clubs. You yeah. know it's not, that that was a very New York thing. But mm. in China at the time it was it was it was it was much more chill. It was like it was like Darren said it was more like Berlin yeah. back in the early two thousands. No, and mm. even the industry itself was like was a rag tech. I mean, there was a lot of like people who like, oh, I, I used to sell textiles and now I'm a film producer. Yeah. So you walk into these meetings like, what the hell is this person like? I mean, there's 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 good and bad sides to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying that it was just so crazy. La, I mean, that, it that, was the in the in industry almost. Like, people were flocking to it. Eh? I mean, China itself was just a whole, it was the in country. Yeah. Right? So not just film, but like, you know. But 2009 and, already, there was a lot of attention in film. Like for... I mean, it, from the inside, I can imagine, you know, people in the industry, they can sense the potential of China. But from the outside, like for me, I only learn about China from talking to people like Terrence, uh, like what what the world was in China from talking to people like Terrence and uh, other people who had been to China. But to me, it just felt like, okay, it's a different world. Is it the most exciting? At that point in time, I didn't get that so, feeling. So the two, mm. the two, the actually for the film industry, the two films which made, which changed it mm. was John, John Woo's uh, Red Cliff and yeah. Ang Lee's uh, Last Caution because mm. Red Cliff was the first Hollywood style film they filmed in China they mm. filmed it in 2007 mm. right so the, he brought in a whole Hollywood team and he brought in all these A-list actors from Hong Kong right so they had the whole like uh, AD, DP every, all the crew was a Hollywood crew mm. and it made a lot of it was a huge box office success uh, at the time mm. right so all the Hollywood producers stood up to take note right wow there's so much money to be made in China mm. right then I think shortly after that, Ang Lee made Last Caution mm-hmm. and then he won like a whole lot of awards with that, right? Mm. So that made people see like, wow, you know, it's not just a commercial box office, but then the quality can also be very uh, also be very high. Mm. You can also get the both commercial and the critical thing. Mm. So that after that, the kind of the floodgates really opened. Mm. Then in 2010 onwards, it was just and out of control. you were based there what year onwards? I was there 2009 onwards. 2009 onwards. Oh, not bad. Uh. You yeah. really like, you coasted, <laughs> I mean, you rode the wave, uh, so to speak, of the financial, the high leverage buyout times. And after that, you went to China and then rode that wave of yeah. like, the crazy. It's like as the Wall Street industry. ship was sinking, you're like, fuck this. You're surfing, <laughs> you're surfing <laughs> you on that wave. You onto the China I, ship. I mean, I mean <laughs> it sounds like that like now in retrospect, yeah. but I can tell you like back then, I had no idea what I was doing. So, so just yeah. now you mentioned that it took a while till you were on set. So, so I mean, for those of you listening, I think we've spoken about it briefly. To make a TV show, a film, it always takes time. Some can take five years, some can take a year from the time the idea is conceptualized to the time the movie is released. So, you just mentioned just now it took a while before you yeah. were on set. So, so okay, for... Uh, what what you mentioned is true in general. Yeah. Then because a lot of times like you're dealing with um, you know the script and mm. then you're dealing with the talent and then a lot of times especially in China it's like that you want the talent and they're willing to do it mm. but then they don't have schedule because they are so booked with they are so they are so far booked in advance. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So we have the schedule and then we have the story and then John keeps revising the story. And then we, and then th- this is uniquely China, which is that you have to get it approved by uh, SAFT, which is the basically the se- se- board of censorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So censorship will give comments and then you have to you have to uh, make 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 changes and then you you go back and forth. Mm. Then you know when you make changes, then the story changes. Then the actor of the input, then the producer, then the the production company has input. So it's like this whole circle, never ending circle of back and forth, right? Mm. And then finally, when all the pieces f- fall together, then you you have something good to go. Mm. Then once it's good to go. Then you know. Then it's a whole different problem altogether, yeah. right? Then you get your financing in place. Then you know, um, in China, as as Terence mentioned, just now there are a lot of producers with money, and then the, the 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 thing is that, but the downside is that a lot of these people are also not necessarily very professional, right? Mm. They come from real estate companies. They have a lot of money. They want to do invest mm. in film. But then when it comes to, you know, they promise you like, okay, the financing will be in place, but then it's not in place. But then you have to pay the actor's deposit. If you don't pay the deposit by a certain date, then his schedule is free. He's going to go and join another production. Mm. So there's a lot of moving, a lot of moving pieces, um, you know, to actually get something to fruition. Mm. And mm. especially with the film, like for John's films, right? Like his, his stuff is all uh, big budget with like 10 A-list celebrities in his cast, right? So... You know, even for our amazing showman, it's just a small, small production with like a few leads. Mm. Even then, already it was you know very stressful. So imagine yeah. like for his on his level, you know, with like shooting schedule of like six months to eight months, and like you know, ten A list celebrities and twenty like supporting actors who are all A listers in their own right. Mm. Yeah. You know, and then because um, the the that film uh, the crossing was also about the Chinese Civil War. So it's also a very uh, sort of sensitive topic. So mm. we had to go back and forth with. The so that was the first movie that that came to uh, uh, fruition when you were yeah. started working. So it took took me like a good like five years from oh, holding the script, shit. holding Ooh, the script five for the years. first time to seeing it finally released, and doing the whole like publicity tour in the cinema. Ooh, five years. Yeah. So yeah. in the first five years, there was no uh, film that <coughs> went to production, started filming. That no, because that was the film that he was trying to get made. He wrote it, is it? Uh, he, it was written by Wang Huiling, who was a very famous screenwriter. She wrote a, a bunch of Ang Lee's, Ang Lee stuff. Uh, it was written by that. But it's actually based off a true story. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, there's a lot of historical sources. Uh, so Wang Huiling, uh, Wang Huiling wrote the story mm. and then he made some changes and then he hired like a few different writers to tweak to tweak it to mm. get it to the point where he where he was satisfied with it so in those five years what was he up to? I mean if you if you think about it right the, the, the shooting schedule itself uh, is almost one year the shooting schedule was mm. eight, eight months eight months right eh? Shooting schedule was eight months. Oh, you mean eight months of shooting? Just shooting eight itself. Just shooting, shooting uh, excluding pre-production, yeah, excluding yeah, yeah, post-production. Yeah, yeah. Right? Then post-production oh, itself is almost like one year. Yeah. Yeah. Then because we released the film in two parts, mm. so we were uh, we just had the editing and then plus we also had to do the whole publicity. You know, so we were flying to we were flying to Hong Kong. To Moscow, we were even mm. in Moscow. We were in Tokyo. We were in Seoul. So the whole life cycle, uh, you went. Yeah, so I was in the whole life cycle from just holding a a very early draft of the script until we get the final draft, until mm. shooting, until you know five years. And then some some of my colleagues who were there with me in the beginning mm. left the project. And then in the time, by the time I finished that film, they had shot 
three <laughs> three other three other movies. Mm. You know, yeah. But but I will say that you know five in that five years, right? What I learned on set, right? It's like <laughs> some people work for like the whole life in the movie industry. They yeah. would not have touched any other stuff. No, I, 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 he showed me videos of stuff that they do on set. I think you have more combat experience than some of our generals in the SAF have. Uh. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just from the armies of people that you all have to coordinate. And then they use the pyrotechnics as like fucking a war zone. Like so, that, uh. so yeah. I mean, this was a huge budget movie, la, like what you said, right? I mean, it was very huge by Chinese standards. Ah, but by Chinese not standards. Not by Hollywood standards. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, this is a whole... This, I mean, this is just ties in with everything. Cost of labor. Yeah, like yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but so, it was one of the biggest... You showed me the videos you were, you were wearing like almost like long four that kind and cover your face. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. you had like they had pyrotechnics on yeah, wires yes, like to yes, simulate like yes. bombs like flying yeah. across the screen yeah. so so I guess for Tense. comparison like our shoot for the Amazing Showman was five days five days six days six days so this this shoot uh, was like eight months you said yeah and yeah. it's like five days a week six days a week Seven days a week. Seven, seven days a week. About six days. I mean, it's literally like like going into army, right? Because uh. you're traveling around China, so they they put you. You're staying. They put you up. The whole the 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 production will book your entire hotel. Uh. Then yeah. everyone will stay in the hotel. So even though you are on set like six days a week, yeah. you, you live know, the seventh day, seven day because I'm the actor's assistant, right? It's the seventh day, like everyone's resting. John wants to talk about the, how to shoot the next week. Uh. Then the key, the key crew will have to go for another production meeting. Uh. And then in China, there's no such thing as OT, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're basically in the middle of nowhere in a desert. And then there's only like one hotel down there. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going to go? But yeah, was the eight month like one of the most amazing experiences? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, okay. So so like I mean like I remember like there was one day we were just blowing up stuff, right? So 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 okay. So so we were one of the we spent about a month in, uh, in this desert in Hebei, which is mm. in, um, uh, a couple maybe uh, one hundred fifty kilometers outside of Beijing, mm. and it's actually a, a People's Liberation Army uh, firing range for the artillery units, mm. right? So there's a lot of like trucks, and there's a desert where they just blow stuff up, right? It's a live firing range. Mm. Um, so they they rented to us for like three weeks to go and shoot the whole army scene. So they brought in like about a couple hundred uh, soldiers from a <clears throat> couple hundred soldiers from a from a military unit, mm. and the commanders were all there, right? So we had like uh, we had like uh, the army there. Then we had stuntmen, and then we had our special effects department, visual effects department, right? So special effects they do explosions, mm. right? So the special effects people they work with the. PLA, the People's Liberation Army has a studio called Ba uh, Chang, which is the first of August studio, mm. which does uh, which does propaganda films for the Chinese army. Because mm. Chinese People's Liberation Army was founded on first of first uh, of August, mm. right? So um, they have all the explosives, uh, right? So we would they would discuss. So each production meeting, we would discuss like, okay, this scene. Uh, we have the storyboard. Mm. Then John would say like, I want this scene. Like you know, the whole army is like. You know, attacking this particular location. Then in the background, I want these explosions. In the front, I want the tanks to be attacking from here, mm. right? So then the okay. So then we will sit down with the special effects guy and the special effects guy. Okay, like the back, we will put these bombs. Then uh, we we'll use gasoline bombs in the back, right? Then the Hollywood guy is a uh, the Hollywood guy is like, oh, why don't you put naphthalene? You know, naphthalene is the mothballs, mm. right? So it's the naphthalene component, right? Is what gives the explosion the very vibrant. Uh, orangey red mm. hue. Is it like napalm? 
I don't think it's napalm. I try and smart out there. Try and smart AP NAP something. I was like, oh, it's Naphthalene. Nice try, there. Nice try. So then, so then they will they will set up the 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 gasoline bombs in the back. Yeah. So it looks very nice. Yeah. But in reality, like when tanks fire, it doesn't the the explosion is not so colorful. So actually, if you watch like all these Hollywood films, right, like Michael Bay stuff, right, all that stuff is very. Fake, it's very fake yeah, because yeah. it just looks nice lah, right yeah. then in the front they use the dirt bombs where you have the actors mm. right so then we have to quote in the, the AD the AD side will have like three rolling cameras three or four cameras and then one on the crane then one aerial shot yeah and then um, so we have to coordinate all of this lah, mm. right then uh, a lot of times it's just managing people managing. So, so all these meetings are done in English lah. Yeah, you think? Eh? I don't know, but if the Hollywood Hollywood SFX, also you're the are you like the middle person? I'm I'm there in the meetings also. So so John won't attend these meetings. Yeah, John correct, will correct. John will just John will tell the AD what he, the AD what he wants. AD the then the AD will have to yeah. yeah the 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 number one AD, first yeah, AD. Yeah. Then they'll go for the meetings and then discuss. So that means so he's got he's got like a he's got like a very experienced like American VFX guy. So the American VFX guy was. Uh, uh, was an Academy Award nominee for his work Whoa. on the True True Lies. Uh, mm. So he worked with James Cameron on a bunch of on a bunch of stuff. Mm. So very very experienced. Um, so he had a lot of suggestions on how to make stuff look good. You see. Yeah. So because because a lot of times you want to shoot stuff live because people mm. think that VFX uh, is a catch all solution, but actually like honestly, right? You want to have good VFX costs a lot of money to, yeah. to, to have really good VFX. Mm, so sh- yeah. Shitty VFX is very easy. So you do as much as you can. With so you do as much as you can live. So a lot of the times the discussion is sort of like, okay, we could shoot everything live. But mm. then like the, the AD will be like, well, the, the lead actor is going to be here, right? So you can't blow him up because you blow yeah. him up, then it costs a lot of money to, to hire a new... If you kill him, it's going to cost a lot of money to hire a new <laughs> lead, right? Then you're going to... I like how the only thing that you thought of when someone is killed on set is how much it'll cost <laughs> to get a replacement. Uh. Yeah. Is that the China, yeah, China, China methodology? China. <laughs> what the fuck? Everything can be settled on money. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? and money. <laughs> yeah, but but, but uh, just... Um, so, is there anything in your... Because, I mean, we're, we're also here to inspire people. Was there anything about being Singaporean that you think helped you like during this process of you know surviving those eight months and everything? Okay, so I would say that one is other, other than speaking uh, being able to be bilingual, other than being bilingual, because that one is <coughs> dependent on the individual, I feel. I, I mean, in addition to being bilingual, I think part of it is also cultural, right? Mm. Because even though mm. we were Westernized, right? Like we're still very, we're, we're all Asian. Mm. So like, you know, and, and a lot of times um, when when problems show up, it's not just stuff, stuff is not just lost in translation. Loss is, uh, stuff is also lost in body language. Mm. So like American guy will come in, he will sit on the table, he will talk very loudly. Mm. And then Chinese people think he's, very, he's being very rude. Right. Mm. But he's not being rude, right? It's just it's just culturally it's just how they behave. Mm. Right. And then in the meeting, like he would just tell, you know, the AD in his face, like, oh, this doesn't work. Right. And then people, Chinese people think like, oh, you know, that's very rude. Mm. And and, so and Chinese people think that that's rude if you're very too direct. If you're too direct, oh, right? Okay. And then like he's not being rude. I mean, he's I mean I mean when I say he's not being rude, he's I'm saying that he's not trying. He his intent is not to be rude. His intent mm. is not to embarrass anyone, right? Yeah. He's just yeah. he's just honestly giving his professional opinion. Is is what we hired him for, yeah. right? Yeah. But then there's also different ways to how people you know behave with each other, right? Yeah. So maybe the maybe the the more tactful way would be to call off sort of like after the meeting, you know, 
pull him aside and say, well, you know, I had this suggestion, you know, maybe we can look at it some, mm. some other ways, right? So mm. I think as, as Singaporean, you know, you kind of like can straddle a little bit, a little bit of both. Mm. And that sort of tactfulness, I think. So it's a bit mm. like you, 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 if like, like there's a Chinese guy meeting and, uh, you know, someone and he says, naker, 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 naker. And then the, the word in English, it sounds like a, like a very offensive racial slur. You are able to like step in. Yeah, say, hey, but I don't think I don't think Singaporeans. I mean, that's a that that, that example you 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 brought up is a very American thing, right? <laughs> but it has happened before. It has happened. And Singaporeans it's happened in the it's in happened in the US. Well. Yeah, yeah, like the I, US. I don't know if I I've not encountered anything like that as a Singaporean, <laughs> and I've not read anything about a Singaporean <laughs> getting into that sort of situation. You never got into that situation before. Real, so you never you never got into that. No, how about how about, how about being. I don't know, studious or careful. Or like, or like the or, army experience. Oh, ah, the army experience. Did yeah. that, any, any of that helped you? Oh, yeah. So, so <laughs> this is actually pretty funny uh-huh. because like, um, so we were going out, we were starting, we were starting that whole sequence in the army, in the, in the desert, right? Mm. So, uh, so, so this, this Chinese guy from one of, he's actually not, Oh, he's Chinese, but I think he grew up in, in, in the US or something, right? Mm. So he was like, yeah, you know, dude, it's going to be so, oh my God, it's going to be so hot. You know, we're going to be the desert. Like, I think I'm going to just wear like, you know, like short shorts and like a t-shirt. Then like, mm. I'm thinking like you're out of your you're out of your freaking mind, right? Mm. So first day of shoot, right? I show up like in a long sleeve. Sh- I I basically show up in like my improvised like long fall, right? Mm, yeah. And then with like a like a scarf over my head. And then all these guys looking at me like, what are you trying to do, right? You think you're you're, you're actor or something? And then by by like two days in, right? Like I'm the person having a laugh because it was really hot. It was like Singapore kind of weather. Yeah. Then there's no cloud cover, right? Because yeah. it's desert, right? So the guy is wearing like dress for the beach. Oh, so oh, burn out. So burnt. like by the end of the first day, right? Like the guy is sunburned like mad. Then by the third day in, he's peeling. Oh, oh And then you're still going to be there for three days. Oh, and then plus shit. the sand and the wind. Plus the sand and the wind and but, it's very dry. Oh, it's yeah. dry lah. Okay, yeah. it's dry. So I was like, I was like, this guy, you know, you know, you SEF trainer, at least you know how to take care of yourself. So you got to take out camo cream and use prickly heat powder bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? I got powder, with powder in my neck and uh, then I had, my, I had my so, scarf. So at any point face. in time, were there moments during that time where you're like, what the fuck am I doing in the middle of the desert? What the fuck am I doing? No, actually it was the other way around, man. Mm. It's like when when, when, when you're when we shooting all these scenes, right? Like before we even start, they they will start blowing up stuff yeah. and then they'll shout action. So I was standing down there looking at like about a thousand people on set and then all the explosions are going off, the debris are flying down. And I'm thinking, wow, this really beats sitting in the office updating the comms on my Excel mm. sheet, man. Then why don't you just go and volunteer for NDP or something? Then you have that. <laughs> you got <laughs> thousand the people there also on set. Yeah, Terrence you know, can Terrence can lead <laughs> la, our, you, <laughs> I'm sure if you wanted to be executive I, I, I assistant. Don't, I don't think I don't think, I don't think they allow me to blow blow stuff up on the padang. No, fireworks lah. Then you get yeah, it's well, just uh, fireworks is not as fun as blowing stuff up in <laughs> <laughs> gasoline bombs. Wow. So 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 your role on set was that just now you mentioned you were the executive assistant to John Woo. Yeah. So uh, if you wanted to, could you take a loud hailer and go to a thousand people and like, you guys shut the fuck up. You know, I am the the executive so, assistant here. So, uh, so there's one guy who does that. Uh-huh. Uh, his, 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 his job title is the Zhizing Daoyan, which is mm-hmm. the uh, executive, like, sort of like, uh, he's the onset, onset, mm. onset director, right? Uh-huh. So it's actually, it's like, these guys are actually, it's actually really funny because um, uh, <clears throat> a lot of these guys come out from the army. Mm. Yeah. So they're actually like uh, former like PLA guys, uh-huh. and and what they do is they just start screaming at, at people, 
And one of the a bit like a bit like our former SAF generals also lah when they do press conference, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. they were taking umbrage at all the thousand people. Is it every Sorry, day? Sorry, carry on, carry on. I just had to. I just had to. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Yeah. So so the guys, uh, um, um, he he ex ex army guy, and yeah. he um so they just take a loudspeaker and they shout at all the soldiers. They shout at all the at all the extras. And the thing is that it's not just shouting, you know. These guys are actually really good at what they do. When they need to shout and scream, they will shout mm. and scream. But they know how to tell jokes and make fun of their assistant directors. It's basically mm. they're entertaining the crowd. Kichu, Kichu. Ah, Kichu. What's Kichu? What's Kichu? Remember. Hey, what? Don't give me this remember like I'm supposed to know already. This guy What's is Kichu? not Singaporean. Oh, the Chan Chu Chan Chu Singh, is it? Oh, hey, don't fucking insult my nationality. Okay, I'm a proud Singaporean. Yeah, then you should know the Kichu incident. Uh, oh, you know the, the the Tamil song we used to sing during Children's Day? Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, you know? By, by year, by year. Oh, okay. By the way, carry on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm drinking my coffee here while you guys go at it. It's a very tense week for Chinese yeah, and Indian right. racial relations. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but you can carry on. Yeah, yeah so... So so it's, it's actually, it's actually mm. not easy for, for, for these guys to do it because, yeah. you know, for each camera setup, you know, it takes like one hour or whatever. And mm. then there are all these like very restless extras in, in between set. Yeah. So I remember one night they we were shooting a night uh, at night. And and so um what happens is that they hire they hire uh, extra companies. So these companies they specialize in getting extras onto the set. Yeah. Right. So what uh, so a lot of these companies are all like very uh very corrupt, right? So they will they will they will they will be they'll be contracted to bring a hundred extras, mm. but maybe they'll only bring like sixty to seventy. Mm. All right. So that night we were supposed to shoot, and the 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 uh, onset director uh, assistant directors like it, uh, it it looks like we're a lot less people than we're supposed to have. Mm. So he he asked me to go to help him out. Then I was like, sure. He's like, hey, you help me go and count strength. Then I was like thinking, are you are you are you freaking kidding me? Mm. So literally, I I had to go and ask all these guys in army uniform to go and like fall in into rows of three. Mm. Right. And I was shouting to them in Chinese. Now mm. I'm thinking like, oh my God, like I had no idea when I OD it, right? Like all those years ago, uh, like <laughs> you can leave this. 15 years yeah. ago, right? I'll be like in the, in the middle of nowhere in China, yeah. like shouting at extras to fall in and number off in uh-huh. Chinese. That's why I say he got more combat experience than SAF generals. Yes, yeah. He's gone to desert and everything. You know? So, so when all this is happening, then where is Mr. Wu? In his command post, no? command so the post, command post. Uh, so, so can you walk us through what that that relationship working with John Wu is? Because okay, there's a thousand people on set, right? He's the director. What does he do? So his his, his job is to. So here's <coughs> what is it? his job is to mostly direct the actors. Mm, mm. So he will tell the AD what how he wants the scene to play out. Mm. Then the AD will execute. So the AD's job is all execution and operations. Mm. His is just to give the, the direction. Mm. So while all that is happening, he's kind of like going through the script, trying to tweak tweak the some of the dialogue. Then he'll be talking to the actors in this scene, let's do mm. it this way. And then he'll be talking to the DP, right? To how, how he wants to do put the, the camera. The DP is the director, the director of photography. The director of photography, yeah. right? Who is in charge of lighting the set mm-hmm. and in charge of like the, the, camera two, or three, the two or three cameras, yeah. right? So that's what he, he's doing. Because... Um, First of all, like if you ask John to go and like deal with all the extras, that's not his job. Mm. And even if he tried to, like no, no one would listen to him. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that, that goes into a bit of a philosophical discussion about what is the role of a director 
on on the set as well, lah, right? Mm. And 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 uh, I mean, we we've gone a lot into your history as working in China and everything, but there is also that later half of your the pinnacle, the, the, the pinnacle, the pinnacle of the, the, the pinnacle of your career, <laughs> which is being in Singapore and working with us to write and direct the amazing showman also, lah, right? Exactly. So I I mean um. Actually, why? How how come you were in Singapore? Ah? Why why you doing Singapore if if all that 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 China and all that jazz was so amazing? Ah? Yeah, so I yeah. I came back for Chinese New Year in twenty 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 okay. and then like uh, there was a viral outbreak in oh. in a lab in uh, in Wuhan, Wuhan. Uh-huh. and which spread around the world, and then I got stuck here lah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been I'm still stuck here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So China's loss was our gain because we that's when we I was like oh maybe we can work with Alex finally. Yeah. So yeah. so before Chinese New Year, uh, in China, like you, wh- what were you working on? I was doing my own stuff. I see. Yeah. Okay, so okay. I had some stuff in development, uh, helping on some friends' projects. Okay. So so it really is like the stars aligned. You happened to be in Singapore. We got greenlit for the show. Uh, Terence, you guys had been in touch. Actually, uh, in the last few years, a bit less so because I don't travel to China that much. Yeah. But he comes back to Singapore. And I tell you, oh, you know, yeah, stay in China, lah. You know, Singapore industry very difficult, that kind mm. of thing. Mm. Uh, so I mean, yeah, it, it was quite a long shot to imagine that we would <coughs> one day be working together. But then at the same time, nobody imagined that twenty twenty would be yeah. erased from history as well. So, la, so right? you send him a you up text, uh, Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> dot, 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 dot. <laughs> you up, Alex? Hey, yow, with yow. a lot of wise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> yow, what's up, man? So, but, but, uh, yeah, that was around which time of year? Around June, uh, June when, uh, when we, we got greenlit. Uh, yeah, when we, no, we, we... Okay, so the context of... We actually pitched the story initially as a English mm. show, a Channel 5 thing. But I think uh, the powers that be, the high-ups thought, oh, actually, this would work a lot better for a Mandarin show. Uh. Maybe so, for people listening who still haven't watched the show, shame on you. Shame on uh, you, uh, what, what is it about? I mean, actually, Alex, what, what is The Amazing Showman about? It's like? about a struggling actor whose mm-hmm. mom falls ill. And in order to make her happy, uh, he starts to edit clips of himself into his mom's favorite Channel 8 shows. Mm. From from the 80s and 90s. From the 80s right? and the 90s. So, so it's, it's a, a sort of like a, a, a homage and a, to the golden age of uh, Mediacore. Back then it was uh, SPC, TCS, yeah. uh, mm. drama serials. Correct, mm. correct, yeah. So, so, so I was, what I was saying was that initially we wanted to do it as Channel 5 yeah. and do all the Poitou Kangs, the Masters of the Sea, Under One Roof. But then it was later flipped around and said, hey, why, why not do it for Channel 8? Because Channel 8 has this rich library of shows that really are worth uh, tapping on as well. Uh. Yeah. yeah. So so when you first heard the pitch, what, what made you choose us over John Woo? <laughs> well, clearly it was everything about the two of you. Where, where do I even begin? Oh, right? yes, I mean, exactly. And, and also we're, plus, plus this little virus that also <laughs> yeah, forced to stay in Singapore. We also pay now you. you know, for, not, for just, that, not just talented, but also incredibly good looking. <laughs> yeah. you know. Harish, yeah, this gravelly voice. Yeah. Like, this gravelly voice is <laughs> yeah. like, you, your name is Yao, right? Welcome, welcome. You and like that, films. And that, uh, you like that, films. That, that stubble, that manly stubble. You got Indian friends. You got, okay, welcome. Welcome to the club. You're hired. Uh, you're hired. <laughs> yeah. No, because yeah, like, we, there was that seed of the story which we pitched, but when you came in, you took it to another level, right? Mm. So, so what, what was, like, how, how, how did you, like what? What? What about your own story or anything helped you develop it? But uh, well, just I, and and don't need to be sucking on MOF balls, uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. the, like you just 
No, I mean that because last. I think you, you've done enough already. Oh, okay. uh. <laughs> Our last podcast, someone was talking about Singaporeans suck on USA balls, so I'm just quoting that. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not saying that you suck on anyone's balls. But See, just saying, don't you need just to made awkward there. It's, I just saying, <laughs> don't need to you know say that oh because we were, we were very good right? because the truth is we we left a lot in in your hands to develop yeah. the story la. I mean, the, no, the I know. I, I I think I think I think a lot of the ideas, the, the best ideas you guys really came up. I mean, the concept was the concept itself was very good, and I, I thought it was very interesting because that that was a time when Singapore had less options right so mm. you were just had channel 5 channel 8 mm. then your yeah. malay and Tamil in the channels. 80s and 90s la, yeah. yeah and then i remember like back then um when like in the late 90s i think like they brought in hbo in singapore for the first mm. time it was a very big it was a very big deal because that yeah. was the first uh like cable like non non-singaporean right. channel you yeah. know everything else you want to watch movie you have to go to the cinema and and, and, and watch yeah so 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 you know that was a very interesting time for singapore television mm. um there are a lot of very good content mm. um very exciting content as well mm. and um you know it reminds me of you know my my school days as well and then even for like um people who i guess don't really uh, speak Chinese. Mm. You know, you also watch a lot of that stuff growing up. Yeah, mm. yeah. But today, today is so different, right? Because today you have all this like streaming platforms. People don't watch it as much. So yeah. I think um, at that era of uh, television shows really uh, left a very strong mark on that. You know, that gener that Singapore culture of that generation. And uh, yeah. I, I even tell people uh, like even in my travels in China when I mention oh I'm from Singapore. And then they'll be like, oh yeah, last time I watched your TV series with Fan Wenfang and Fan Wong and mm. Christopher Lee, the return of Condor Heroes. I think at that point... Yeah, Fan Wong, Fan Wong is still like quite, quite a household right? name in yeah. China. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, oh. so Singapore productions were being exported to China at that point as high quality stuff, yeah. you see. Mm. I but, mean, part, part of that is also because that whole generation had a, had a basically like a team from Hong Kong, mm, um, correct, correct. that uh, creative team from Hong Kong. So if, mm, you, look, yeah. if you notice that that, that that time was very like Hong Kong style mm, in terms mm, of what they did as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so, so, yeah, I mean... Um, just, I mean, we had Noah on the podcast before, so he talked a little bit about production and everything. But broadly speaking, how is the Singapore production experience compared to, say, the experience on The Crossing in China and everything? Because, you know, we also went around Singapore from Woodlands to Pongol. Mm, so mm, we, we spent like whole days yeah, there. Yeah, you know? yeah, we had loud yeah, hailer yeah. and had four people <laughs> in every morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then everyone was juggling multiple roles on set correct, yeah correct, exactly correct, correct. and then the director <laughs> was just sitting in the command post and everything yeah. <laughs> actually I remember the director also managing the schedule and all that yeah, yeah. Yeah. a lot a lot the moment and then the director the moment the camera comes out then the producer's breathing down the director's like hey how uh, are you done yet we need to move on no more money already no more you were thinking already. like fuck this I miss China the moment the, the moment the camera comes out then the producer's already asked you can, can, can move the next shot already you know but yeah, I'm no, like, bro, hey, yeah. bro, like, <laughs> relax, uh. <laughs> what, what the, okay, what are the high level things, differences between Singapore and China industry? I mean, I mean, obviously it's like the budget, right? Mm. But I mean, like, I mean, to be fair, like your budget is always related to the to the market, mm. right? So how much, how how big, how much is how big is your market? How much can you sell it for, right? Mm. Then you back drive it. Right? So yeah. people complain like Singapore, your budget is so small. But then like the thing is that you okay, fine, you know, you we make a Singaporean film, but for how much money? Like, will Singaporeans go and watch it? Mm. Right? And then, then that's the question. Yeah. So one, obviously, we had a small budget, and mm. then also, you know, there's also a different working style in Singapore. Mm. Um, you know, China, there's no OT here mm. in Singapore. Like OT being overtime, overtime. Uh, overtime yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Singapore is like I don't know how like eight, ten hours. 
once you exceed that, then you you have to pay double or whatever. 1.5 times. Hourly rate. Hourly yeah. rate, yeah. It's uh, a bit of a com- quite complicated math. Uh, mm. right? I never understood the... Way I, and what I understand uh, is that it comes from the same practices in Hollywood. Uh. In, in Hollywood, that's how they, they mandate it. Because Hollywood has a lot of unions and yeah. everything. They have so structures they in place. La. But over here, we don't have the unions, but, we, but we've adopted all these kind of structures. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I was, before we started shooting, the uh, a certain producer told me that we will have 10 days of shooting. Oh. Then when the <laughs> schedule came out, the, the shooting was like uh, four plus two days. <laughs> Easy lah, can la. So can four, four, four days la, for all the yow. drama plus can two days, la. two days can for la. all the... <laughs> can la, <laughs> yeah, no problem la. <laughs> So, so that was the main difference. Uh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But how about, how about um, the softer stuff like actor, working with actors and all that? Oh, I loved working with Chen Shusheng. Mm. Mm. Um, I think that generation of um, of actors really like first class. It was such a joy to work with him. Mm. And I also learned a lot with, with him. I mm. didn't have to do much uh, direction with him. Because mm. I wrote the character in a very sort of like uh, self-parodying way. Yeah. Uh, sort of like uh, he's he's this narcissist who thought, refers to himself in a third person mm. so it's meant to be a very exaggerated parody of himself and mm. I was a bit worried like maybe you know he, he's, not, he's not willing eh? to do it because you know? yeah, it takes yeah. a certain kind of personality who's willing to you have to be secure enough in your own yeah. in yourself yeah, to yeah. do that correct, correct, right? yeah. and um, um, he, not only did he was willing to do it he also got all the jokes right because mm. I wrote it in very sort of like flowery Chinese language right yeah. so it was very literary so it was very the, the comedy was supposed to show this egomaniac who likes to talk about himself and uses very literary language mm. when he talks about himself mm. so he got all of that yeah. and then like when he came like if you notice like for most of his shots I shot in white mm. because I don't need to cut yeah. to fix any of his stuff because he performs with his whole body. So most yeah. of the scenes I just shot in white. Mm. I, I, I directed him, I basically said like, okay, we're putting the camera here, we shoot in white, then the, the, you, just, you just go. Do your stuff. Just do, do whatever you need to do. So, so for, for, I mean, like I, I know of the shows like the, um, the shows that Chen Shu Cheng was in in the 80s and 90s, but to listeners who maybe do not speak Chinese, don't watch the shows, what are some things that he's most recognizable in? Uh? I right. mean, he was a very big host also mm. on TV. I think if people see him, they, they will recognize know him. Yeah. Yeah. Every Sunday night, there's the Don't Know What Econ Mini Mart. There was a, like, the kind of game show that's yeah. sponsored by But But, by but I'm guessing the, the younger Gen Z people who maybe don't watch Chinese, um, but basically, he's a, he's uh, a legend. Ask him he's to an ask icon. Their parents. Yeah. yeah. He, he's he's been legend, acting he's since the 80s, yeah. like the yeah. Awakening. And, and yeah. I, I mean, am I right to say that he's he's up there with the Zoites and Fan Wongs yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. Of, of that he's, sort of. He's, more, he's yeah. more Lao Jiao than Fan Wong. Because mm. Fan Wong, I think, was came around in the early, late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Yeah. No, yeah. Fan Wong, I think, 90s. 90s, 90s right? For yeah. him, was he started off in the early 80s. And that was like the golden age of TV where if you were yes. a Mediacorp actor, you were a fucking big deal. Yeah. And, and I remember when I was on set because um, when he came, he he's what, 70? He just, oh, yeah. I think he just turned 70. Yeah, and yeah. like to see, he was so energetic and I think he came from a previous shoot that he had been shooting and he was so charismatic. Uh, when he was performing, I wasn't sure what he was saying, but I even I could feel the the energy. gravitas, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the energy of his and voice. And he, uh. he, he memorized all his lines. Yeah. He yeah. didn't miss a single, he didn't miss a single word and I wrote like a lot of dialogue for him. Yeah. yeah. And he had no airs about him. I mean, he was like, he came and he was just saying yeah. hello to everyone, talking to yeah. everyone. so nice. He said bye to everyone when he left, you know. So nice. So, so it's like, I mean, it's a, it's a the, the kind of work ethic I feel 
um, is are very underrated today, like, mm. you know, where No, it's, just, it's the, the whole professionalism. Yeah, because, exactly, exactly. Because not ju- he's not just a good actor, like yeah. his whole demeanor, the way he he interacts with everyone. Yeah. I mean, like no one expects him. I mean, people always say that like, oh, the celebrity is very humble or whatever. But yeah, I, yeah. I I I don't think it's like that big of a deal as mm. long as you do your job properly. Yeah, like that's yeah. the most important thing. Mm. But like his whole demeanor, like I see it with a lot of actually like very senior actors, even like working in China for the actors of. That gen of same Chen Sucheng's generation, even though they're very big stars, mm. uh, they they come in, they're very you know, uh, very low profile. They're yeah. very professional. Where's uh, the yeah. newer people? All divas, uh? <laughs> like Noah Yap, is it? <laughs> yeah, fucking Noah Yap. Uh. <laughs> if he's listening, uh. no, 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 but, but I do Noah remember Yap is a sweetie. Yeah, I do remember a very uh, sweet moment when Noah first was introduced to Chen Sucheng. I mean, I mean, they sort of seen each other around and they know each other all that lah. But Noah's like, hey, you know, uh, he's basically saying to him in Chinese like, you know, hey. Yeah, I'm very excited to do this, and but my Chinese is very bad, like, You know, then I think Chen Sucheng just like pull him aside, he's like, you know, don't worry, don't worry, like you know, whatever you need, I'll help you. You just tell me which part is easier for you. I can help you. Just we just do this together, and we we'll do it well. You know, so then mm. there was no need for him to yeah, be, and be I, nice and all, but yeah. he still he still went out of his way to make Noah feel comfortable, like, and Noah will admit it that his Chinese was not was not the the best even on set and everything, but. I just saw this and, and because I was doing editing, I saw the number of takes that Noah did and Chen Zhuzheng just like, just kept giving his 100% in every take. Uh. Mm. And, and, and there's another thing which is that, you know, when we were shooting the reaction shots, mm. like, okay, so so for the audience, right, usually like we, we shoot like we shoot in one direction, then we flip the camera and shoot the other direction to mm. get the reactions. Mm. So a lot of big stars, right, they won't, they won't, they won't, they wouldn't hang around for the reaction shots. Mm. So for example, like if I'm talking to if I'm talking to Terrence right now, mm. like the camera's on him. Mm. Then after that, when when I'm they want to show my reaction to laughing at his jokes, right? Then yeah. they will film me laughing. Then by right, in, by right, by right, by right, Terrence should also be there. Yeah. So I can act I can laugh, I can act off him. Mm, right. Yeah. But a lot of big stars they they won't bother. Especially yeah. if the co-star is uh, is a is a is a newbie is a newbie yeah. or if they are extras. Mm. But Chen Shu was there for all of his all, all the reaction shots. Yeah. I actually sent him out. I said like, "Oh, thanks. Now we are going to shoot the reaction shots. You can go out and rest." Then he was like, "No, I should. I should be here for so they can they can act off me as well." Mm. And and he did that not just for the scene inside the office, for even for the extras mm. in the hospital, hospital corridor. Yeah, he also yeah. he also did yeah. did that for the reaction shots as well. Wow. He he didn't so, have to do that. So know? so when you when when you went through that whole experience, how has your thoughts about the Singapore media industry, the Singapore film industry evolved? Or you're like, fuck it, once the pandemic is over, I'm going back to China, man. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to be glib here, right? but mm. I've only worked on one project here. Yeah. So mm. I can't really talk about the industry as a whole. Mm. Um, and because the experience was so spectacular. And my experience yeah, was so, so because yeah. I was working <laughs> with such talented, professional, good looking, charming, yeah, exactly. successful people. Yeah. So maybe, you know, this is not representative of how, yeah, yeah. you know. I have I, to take I, it with I, a pinch of salt. Yeah, I, yeah. A pinch <laughs> of salt. Yeah. I have to manage my expectations. No, but overall, I mean, I'm sure when you were in China, were you keeping tabs on Singapore's industry, what was coming out of Singapore? Could you see yourself coming back to Singapore only, to do a film only, here? Only the only the the only people I keep tabs are Ministry of Funny. No one else okay, is really okay. worth my time. Okay, so maybe we yeah. like that one is a given lah. We yeah. know already lah. We, we know already, yeah. and we'll pay you pay now you later. Yeah, even but, though he can't yeah. get YouTube in China, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, China is blocked in YouTube, China. YouTube, no, no YouTube, yeah, no Facebook, no Instagram. But like in general, were you keeping tabs of like? Singapore and yeah, did you see yourself coming back to Singapore, doing your own stuff in Singapore? I mean, I keep tabs in terms of like what the movies are coming out. Uh-huh. I mean, like I I I do try to. Uh, I mean, it's hard because a lot of them don't get released in China. Mm. But when I'm back, I will try to go and watch it in the cinema. Mm. Um, 
So what's the last good Singapore movie you watched? No, I know. I I watched recently. Um, Colin goes. Uh, what's that? What's that called? Singapore Dreaming. Mm. Singapore oh yeah, it's on Netflix, yeah. right? It's on uh, Me Watch, I think. I think it's on Netflix also. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. On, I saw it on TV. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, that is cool. So, so like I mean, like uh, so you with this are you are you working on anything right now are you writing your own stuff do you have a few things in development i'm always <laughs> oh, i'm always writing you're always, writing, always writing. writing so what what's uh, your okay what's your writing schedule like because for me personally writing is one of the most painful processes of making a film yep. for me mm-hmm. uh, but for you are you someone who's sounds like you've always been enjoy enjoyed writing you're one of those who i mean it's... I, I don't know if I think of it as whether I enjoy it or not. Mm. I think it's just something you have to do. Mm. Uh, you know, you don't like to go to work. You still got to go to work, right? Mm. It's just one of those things you do. And it, it at least for, for my writing process, a lot of the time, I'm just sitting around not writing. To Thank me, the, the writing is actually the easiest part. The hardest mm. part is coming up with what, what you want to write. Mm. Um, and I spend a lot of time thinking, you know, going through the ideas in my head. I'll sit down with my notes um, and then you know when it, when I when the story comes out, um, that's actually the easy easy part. Mm. Yeah. But do you have like a a schedule of spending a bit of time either thinking or writing every day? Is it a regimen? Yeah. If I if I if I'm if I'm trying to crank out a, a screenplay, yeah, then I work in it every day. Every day. Yeah. Like a set amount of time. Yeah. In if morning. I can get so usually I start and I usually start about I start about I'll sit in front of. At my table at about ten or eleven, mm. then I'll start mm. drinking coffee, start getting wired up, then I'll start reading the news or whatever's interesting to me at the time. Mm. Then after about one or two hours of not doing anything, then I'll start trying to brainstorm ideas. Mm. Then usually by about four o'clock in the afternoon, um, I'm kind of getting tired. Mm. Then I'll stop for the day. So mm. if I can get if I can get one good idea a day, that's considered pretty successful. And this for is me. like one film idea per se. No, I mean or like just, just for like a beat, a like a beat, oh, like a beat, beat okay. or like some like a emotional turning point mm. or like a plot point. Just like one good idea it doesn't matter whether it's a, mm. whether it's a dialogue or whatever. Mm. So, so when you look back, do you kind of like what's your take on the whole going to film school? You know, like and studying because the 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 common thing amongst all three of us is that we didn't go down that yeah. path. Mm. But you see, some people still recommend it. But what's what's your take? I, on I don't know. Thing? I you know I, I didn't go to film school, so I, I couldn't yeah. tell people whether it's a good thing to do or not. Mm. Um, I will say the one advantage of going to film school is that you have a lot. Uh, you have your network from the start. Mm. So if you go to film school, you meet your people who you 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 can collaborate with. You know, yeah. it's very important to find people who you like, and it's mm. just important to figure out who you cannot get along with. Right. Mm. Um, then. Um, Especially, in, I don't know about Singapore, but I know like in the US and in China, the film schools, they have a very good network, mm. uh, alumni network. And then like when you come out of school, if you have like very good student projects, you know, you can get a job straight away in like a production company or TV commercial company or, or whatever it is you're interested in. Mm. Uh, if you didn't go to film school, um, doesn't mean you can't do it. I mm. mean, it's just a different path for everyone. A lot of it depends on how hard you hustle mm. as well. Yeah. So, uh, just one thing to ask you, because you've you, you essentially spent a whole decade in China, right? You know, from 2009 to 2019, Um, Then you came back to Singapore. So, what differences have you seen 
between where from from when you left Singapore till now lah that strike you as the the most surprising uh. can be within and outside anything, of the film like industry anything, yeah even politics or what also can uh, for me it's just like the the cost of living <laughs> mm. the cost of it's like Singapore is like very it's very developed now so mm. it's like first world country like everything is like first world prices yeah uh, and I think like you know going forward growth is not going to be that big mm. right? you're looking at like first world GDP but is it China also China also like right. China China is still a lot of there. still very exciting even the tier one cities <laughs> even they still have a lot of potential or you're talking more tier two just, just in general right mm. like I mean because I mean again I'm not talking just specifically about economy right I'm mm. talking in a very like anecdotal way I just feel that it's just, there's a sense of excitement there mm. because there's a lot of opportunity to do whatever it is you want to do. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously there's, there's also downsides, right? Like, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's like the promised land, right? Yeah. But it's just a big, it's just a big place, right? Yeah. So, so when you have that size, when you have that scale, like historically China has been it's, for thousands of years has been its own entity, right? And mm. the, the country has been able to sustain itself. So even if you're in like a creative industry, whether you're in the visual arts or in your theater or, you know, <clears throat> uh, you're in film, you, you, th- th- there's ways to survive even though you're not necessarily that successful, mm. right? So I'll give you an example, right? Like, you know, the, the, because even though the cost of living in Shanghai or Beijing or Shenzhen is actually very high, actually it's similar to Singapore, mm. you can still survive there because like you can just go and live in the suburbs. Mm. Right. So, like you know, you you live in like the suburbs. They are like artist communes where you're surrounded by like-minded people who yeah. are also in the creative business. Yeah. You know, so all they do is just paint, sculpt, and get drunk every day. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm. Then when you have like projects going on, when you get hired for a project, then you you move into the city to to mm. with the rest of the crew. Mm. Right. So it's actually a very sustainable uh, life, even though you you know you're staying outside of a big city. Yeah, yeah. You can still there's still that place for you to. Um, if you're willing to do it, there's still yeah. opportunity for you to pursue something which is not um, necessarily a practical career, so I to see. speak. Whereas in Singapore, like, you know, uh, your rent is your rent, right? Like, it's whether you stay in Changi or Tuas, you know, it's not going to be that much cheaper, mm, right? Yeah. And then you have all this, like, very uh, strong cost of living. In mm. China, you can always move into a second or third tier city and then move back when, when, when you have work. So a lot of it is actually very economics-driven Mm. Right, and then also in addition to that, because the market is huge as well, mm. so the government barely gives subsidies, right? Mm. Because the market is big enough to sustain theater, uh, whatever it is, right? yeah. even visual arts, and like, people are proud of their own of their own culture yeah. because they they say like, okay, you know, Hollywood is Hollywood, that's great stuff, um, you know, but Chinese has its own like thousands of years of yeah. of, of Chinese. Uh, their own cultural mm, heritage yeah. and mm. people are rightfully proud of that mm. right so it's not if you want to pursue something in the in the arts mm. it's also not seen as like like non-essential as, non-essential. Uh, <laughs> like something wrong with it's like paying like, homage with you? it's like paying homage and doing the country proud like, almost yeah, yeah 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 it's seen as That's legit so, so, so you're saying in Singapore you feel that people don't, don't value the cultural cultural products as much though. I'm saying in Singapore that just because of the, at least in the time that I've been back for the mm. past one one year, right, I can feel that um, there's this economic pressure, mm. this is the cost of living, mm. uh, and just, you know, the size of this place is just a lot um, more challenging, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. No, I mean, it's a very big thing for us, like even when we, last time when we got to go to LA, 
for 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 work lah, and mm. also just to attend and watch show and all that. Just the sense of like, is like like the film industry, like entertainment industry, is an industry, and yeah. people are really treating it seriously yeah. as an industry. That itself just buoys you, you know, it keeps you afloat and it makes you feel like okay, there's a chance for me to do something, get discovered. Right? And in Singapore, a lot of time is like you have to justify why the fuck you're in this industry. You're sort of justify. <laughs> you spend so much time justifying your own existence to yeah. your friends, your yeah. family, even yourself. There's this nagging thing in the back of your head, economic pressure, like, that, then, that it uh, just eats away at you, like, A right? lot of times, also like in China and like with my with my American colleagues, it's like kind of like you talk about project. It's like they always ask you like, what's the project about? What's the story about? Mm. Right? They're yeah. interested in the project. Singapore. Here it's like like how much how much you how much you yeah. gonna pay me? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I don't give a don't give a damn about you know like yeah. what the story is about. <laughs> like, what's, what's, the budget? Budget? what's your budget? What's your budget? Because, <laughs> because I remember when we were in LA, also we were hearing these independent filmmakers, you know, you know, be very thankful. That this that this not A list star but maybe B list star agreed to do a cameo or something. And I was thinking, what was that conversation going to mm. be like? Because it's an indie film, there's probably no budget. So why would this guy do it? Because in Singapore, it's it's I guess it's a it's a downside to scarce resources or low budgets. I don't know. Like even I myself as an actor, if someone asks me to be a project. I do try and say, okay, what's the story about first before we talk about budget? Yeah. But I think in the US, what struck me was like, fuck, people come together almost primarily because of the creative and then they try and find the commercial yeah, see, so, so this is one it, of like. the advantages of going to film school, right? Yeah. Which is that, that what I was talking about stuff like this, you, your network, right? Yeah. Because if you're young and you're sort of hungry, then you're willing to work on each other's projects for free yeah. or for low budget because ultimately it's you all, you all want to create like um, stuff, yeah. you know? But I'll, I'll also say that, you know, one thing, one thing about China is that the government, they don't give subsidies but you can argue that what they do is even better, which is that they've just blocked all foreign films from oh, yeah, showing in the, in the <laughs> in their true. market. That right? is true. So effectively, what true. you have, right? What you so they have, if I'm not mistaken, um, it's twenty four foreign films a year. Mm, mm. So what twenty four a year? Twenty four a year, right? So effectively, works out to two. Hell. Effectively, works out to two 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 foreign movies in a the month, theater a month. Shit. Right? Everything else is local. Everything else is local. So this is how they built up the industry because they just basically said like no foreign films. I then mean, uh, then yeah. then that's how that's how they that's how they, they built up the industry. Yeah. Because back in because back when I first moved to moved to China, like yeah. piracy was a huge thing, mm. right? Like uh, there were a lot of DVD uh, illegal uh, DVD sales, right? Yeah. So yeah. the the US like Hollywood and the lobbyists were like kept harassing China, saying like, you know, you're not protecting the IP, yada 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 da da. But by the time, but like by the time I, by 2017, 2018, like you couldn't find pirated DVDs anymore because yeah. like no one, no one was buying all this stuff, mm. right? In fact, now the Chinese, now it's it's easier to if you really wanted to, it's easier to find like illegal um, Hollywood films than it is to find illegal like Chinese films mm. because now that China has generated its own IP, they have their own. Uh, uh, enforcement and all that. Uh, yeah, they have their own TV series. They have their own movies. It's even hard. They they've really like protect oh begun to uh, protect the the inter intellectual property right. So so now that you've been in Singapore for uh, like a year ish, and you know, of course, you were greeted by by knowing that we are all non essential to the Singapore economy. Mm. Um, <laughs> what if you had a magic wand? To, to do something to the local industry. No, tomorrow you CEO of IMDA. Or oh, SPH. Uh, SPH. SPH. <laughs> yeah. What okay. would you? Yeah, what would you do? Like what what from the learnings of being in in China? Because as much as China, there was a lot of potential in 2009, sounds like it was still very like nascent, very early days for the industry. And mm. you've seen it 
kind of I don't know get more structure the ecosystem build up what what would you like yeah Singapore if they just tell you Mr. Yao I, please I honestly don't know how to solve this problem mm. I mean there are there are ministers who are far more educated and paid far more than me but they no, know, no, but no, just, yeah, just, just pay yeah. doesn't mean that they're qualified right. for the exactly. job exactly don't fall in the Singaporean trap okay they, they, they uh. were talking about ex-generals who are made in uh. charge of no, industries mean, they don't know about uh, <laughs> ban all the foreign films or uh? Oh, ban okay. all the foreign films. Ban all foreign films. Cut off all the foreign. Uh, go back. Go back to the nineties. Then you only have all local content. No, but nineties we had we had movies and all like, foreign movies. But and, in the cinema, it wasn't ex- accessible. Yeah. And like TV, maybe Channel Five every Friday. You're like, oh fuck, Ghostbusters again. Uh, yeah. No, but so we've talked about this before. Where the industry in Malaysia, literally, like you. I mean, they don't ban anything, but they say that. A cinema in Malaysia must always have at least one Malaysian film playing at the mm, same time. Mm, mm, Every week mm, must have one, mm. regardless, re- mandated. So there are, I mean, I guess there are pluses and minuses. Like it means there are limited slots, but also it means that guaranteed that you will always have a choice of watching a local film if yeah. you really wanted to support local, so to speak. Singapore, we don't do any of that. That What, what was the term called? Uh? What? Um, when you help a disadvantaged one reach a higher level to so that you can compete at the same level as a affirmative, affirmative action. action uh. Affirmative action that way. Uh, I mean, we don't want to ban anyone, uh, right? But I feel like there still can be little, little steps like this done to help make people feel like, oh, there is a choice of watching a local film and, and local films are not all bad. And I only watch when Jack Neo movies come out. Uh. <clears throat> Do you think something that could possibly I mean, I, again, I've only been back for about a year. Yeah. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's uh, multi- uh, multifaceted issue, right? Mm. Because mm. your audience is your audience, right? Yeah. But then your industry is your industry, right? And yeah. then, <clears throat> and it's how they interact with each other. So you may you we, we you know we can get you can get money from the government to keep making films, right? But then you put the film in the cinema. Like first of all, like mm. is people are people going to watch it, right? Yeah. If people are going to watch it, is the quality good, right? You 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 take you take money, you go and make some lousy film. People watch it, and then they get pissed off, right? Because they think, oh, you know, I'm going to support. I can go and watch like Avengers. Then I, I'm mm. supporting. I want to support local film, but I I pay the money, and the thing sucks, mm. right? Mm. Then like, why am I why am I supporting, uh, local local film, right? Yeah. So I feel like it's 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 everything, right? Then you have to train people to come up with good content, right? And then you have to marketing, distribution, all of that stuff mm. needs to be in place. But then like, how do you attract new people, right? Like then at the end of the day, you also need the market to be there, yeah, right? Yeah. So if you've got a good market, then there's money to be made. Then obviously there will be a lot of people who will be in there just because you can make you can make money. Mm. But if there's no money, then you know, all, you can throw subsidies at it till the cows come home and it may or, it may, or may not work. I don't know, mm. you know? So it's, I, I feel like it's a lot of like different parts of a circle. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So so just tackling one part uh, that you were I think you alluded to earlier. The idea of um you know people being proud of their cultural product. Mm. Do you think um Singapore in you know, as as a Singaporean Chinese and everything, uh, we should also pay more attention to, you know, Chinese cultural products and because though because not only economically it can make sense for us, uh, right? In terms of like, you know, going to work in the industry there. But also just as a sense of like China is such a big power now and Singapore we need to you know so suck China balls suck China balls I mean I think Singaporeans in general are very like cosmopolitan uh. like because just you know growing up here like we read news from 
you know, we'll keep in we touch with like, the politics. Yeah. Yeah. All our media, all our media, most of the media that we consume is all Hollywood media mm, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So, as in, oh. <laughs> so don't suck China balls? Don't, 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 we just don't need a yes or no. You suck or don't suck? Like Singapore, do we have a place in yeah. China? Or, or maybe we suck I, one? Uh, one? One or not both? Do should we? Focus I mean, I can't. I can't. I can't tell people what they should do. Uh, it's what mm. is what. I mean, I can speak as a Chinese Singaporean. Right? Mm. Like, I'm glad uh, you look at me because uh, I, I appreciate. Because I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. I would not dream of imposing my. Yeah, you're not being Terence. You're not being Terence. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah, you're not being Terence. Um, part of me. So part of me is as a Chinese Singaporean going to China is also sort of like uh, understanding that richness of Chinese cultural heritage. Because mm-hmm. like Singapore, you grew up here, like you, we're all very Westernized. Mm. Right, and at least in the circles that I grew up in, it was also uh, considered very China. You know, mm. people had this, this very derogatory, China, China, very yeah. derogatory uh, approach to 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 um, you know the Chinese culture. Right, mm. part of it is also that the ruling class in Singapore has always mostly been English speaking Pranakan. Mm. Right, mm. Um, but having gone there for having been there for such a long time, like you know, uh, it's been it's been it's actually um it's awoken like that sort of like it made me realize that wow you know there's this whole different universe out there right Mm. like if you can speak Chinese like it opens up like a whole different world of Mm. culture of like opportunities of like places to visit of Mm. food to eat of people friends to make you know Mm, mm. Um, and uh, I think part of it also like Singapore there's this this, we're also influenced a lot by the West there's this certain like uh, people have a certain bias towards uh, made China. in China yeah. made in China um, at, you know I would encourage everyone to go and visit now you know mm-hmm. and then form your own opinions it's, it's a great place even if you're not there for work it's a beautiful country mm-hmm. um, you know things to see yeah. that is something I've advocated for a long time as, a, as someone as a Tiakantang guy who mm-hmm. doesn't speak Chinese my visits to Beijing just made me like blew uh, your mind uh, it blew my mind in terms of not only the economy but also just how the the kind of pride that people had in their in their cultural product uh, is it was not something that I, I've I've ever seen in Singapore so much. Uh. Because the when you say China, right, it's also va- it's also like vast, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, in mm. the in the north northeast, it's like snow country, snow country. You, you have a lot of ethnically ethnic Koreans and Manchurians. Mm. Yeah. Then you go to the west, it's all desert and ethnic Mongolians yeah, and crazy, Kazakhs yeah. and Uyghurs. The food they eat is different. They eat a lot of yeah. lamb and barbecue. Then you come down to the south, you know. Then it's like our the from Canton and Fujian, mm. and then it's our ancestors. So the culture, even within there, is I mean, also Singapore also got what you got Yishun. You go from Yishun to Santosa, go very different. You yeah, go but you, you go to very different. You, you, also, you, like. Wherever you're in Singapore, you can still get your Ochanki. You can still get your <laughs> your, your <laughs> Bretok <laughs> and your your yeah, Tosi box, Padang and your so. Tosai and whatever it is. Yeah. You know, there's you can get it all over. It just costs more in certain places. It's like more, yeah, you know, correct, uh, correct. But but do you feel the same way about uh, India? India, yeah. Right. Because okay, so uh, I've been I've actually spent a decent amount of time in India. I was there for an eight week project. There's nothing to do with film. It was about arsenic remediation after I graduated in Kolkata. Then I went around. Sorry, wait, arsenic remediation. Because I was mechanical engineer by studies, right? Oh. Yeah. So when there it was cool. Um, and I was based at a university there. I travel a bit around. Took like a twenty eight hour train ride that. You really see India and same thing, it blew my mind how fucking big this place is. Mm. And weirdly enough, there was also a sense of pride 
Um, I remember one time me and mm. this other guy I was doing the internship with, we were stuck somewhere in Kolkata and we couldn't get back to the hotel. Some guy offered us a lift on his motorbike and we got a lift. And then I was like, thank you so much. You know, can we buy you a drink or something? He was like, no, you know, you are a guest in my country and I need to treat you like a guest and make sure you're safe. Mm. I was like, oh shit. I don't know if, uh, um, I mean, that this is putting aside the other issues in India, like mm. most big countries have like sexual harassment and all that. Put it all aside. But as a country... Like what, like what you say, you can travel two hours and you're in a totally different place with totally yeah. different food, totally different language, totally different looking people. And it just blew my fucking mind. So wait, wait, where, where was the pride? The pride was what? No, like just, you talk to people on the street, their oh. lives are not the easiest. Yeah, yeah. But there's certain, like they're almost, they're almost proud that mm. India is their country. So it's not your pride lah? No. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I mean for me- I thought me, you meant your pride. No, I I had, I, I didn't have the realization like, oh my God, oh. I'm proud, proud to be- Indian because Indian. I think yeah growing up in Singapore once you travel then you start to look at your own self okay what what exactly is your ethnicity what nationality are you but just going there I just found like oh shit there's maybe it's because there's so much culture so much history so mm. anyone growing in India they know that okay they, their country as a whole is is very uh, uh, influential in the world I think Singapore when we grew up now probably Singapore is more in pop culture and uh, cultural side guys than ever before but growing up no one knows what the fuck Singapore is. Mm. So you almost grow up with this thing, okay, my country almost doesn't matter in the world. Mm. Let's suck the balls of these other countries. Back like. in the 90s, Singapore was famous because of the Michael Fay Yeah, Michael Fay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get famous for the wrong reasons. Right? Yeah, so when you see something like crazy rich Asians, do you feel like that's the direction Singapore needs to go? You know, we show ourselves as cosmopolitan, modern, bilingual, <laughs> on screen. Or do you think we should go more like, you know, Art okay. house. I, I mean, ethnically, there's, there's, there's no such thing as bad publicity at all. Mm, as long as you get it out there, it's fine. So mm. you enjoyed Crazy Rich Asians, I suppose. I, I enjoyed it, yeah. Mm. You're talking to the chief hater. Wouldn't say chief Rich hater, la. I just thought as a movie, it was okay. La. I know it symbolized a lot more than that, but as a movie, I was like, oh. you know, for us Chinese people. <laughs> Shut up, la. <laughs> Stop Asian hate. Yeah. But so, so like right now you said you're, you are working on some stuff um, and like they, this, these are feature films, TV shows, just ideas. Mostly, mostly movies and ideas. So if people yeah. wanted to watch some of the other stuff you've made, because I know you've made short films and all that, right? Yeah. Where, where should they go to find it? Uh, <laughs> it's actually not for public release. Mm -hmm. Oh, Because okay. uh, I, I put a, I put a, password. It's, it's password, password protected. I see. The, the, the short film space, like if you release it online, then you can't submit to festivals and all that kind of ah, stuff. Ah, okay. Whereas like... But if you want to watch, if you want to watch stuff that I've made, the best one I've made so far is The Amazing, amazing. Showman, which yes. is currently available on New Watch. Watch. Yes! And I'm, the link is in the fucking show notes, man. Yeah, we're, very, we're, we're all very, very proud of it. I, I yeah. mean, we were telling Noah like, basically also that uh, we we had been talking about working with Noah for like the longest time. Then it started in 2018. Then we did a TV show and then it got pulled from, you know, release. Yeah. And then like, it's taken this long for us to have finally have something on the internet that is actually like something that we're all very proud of. And, and I watched and it with and without subtitles and I fucking love it. And I know yeah. it's our project. Well, you watched it without subtitles. Yeah, I mean- uh, well, well, how, how did I feel? No, it's just, I mean, of course, I, at the back, I know the story and all, yeah. but just, yeah, I just, I'm just super proud of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so kudos to you. Kudos uh, to you. No, thank, thank, you to for, life. Yeah. thank you for pitching the project. It was a yeah. great concept. Yeah. No, no, I mean, uh, to, to, I think like Harish said, to elevate it to a level where we talk about, you know, literature and, 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 and really delve into what it means to, to have a relationship yeah. with your mother and, and the cultural product of your country being 
part of that relationship with your family. I think that's actually quite relevant to literally yeah. what we're talking about where where it used to be, I think you wrote on your Facebook post uh, like, uh, you don't even need to... Everyone said, I just watched a 7 o'clock show yesterday and yeah, you know that yeah, they're, yeah. what show you watched. And yeah. then you probably watched it with your family, your yeah. mother or father yeah. watched with you. And even like, my mother, she came and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we used to watch the show together and everything. So I was like, I mean, quietly to myself, I was like, yeah, like, you know, obviously this... You, 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 the amazing showman is a story that is about ourselves, like you know, mm, yeah. the story of you grow up with your parents, you watch what they watch, and you try to please them by doing something that you hope that resonates with them. Like. And I mean, for us, also, it was cool because we did a Tamil pilot, now we've got a Chinese TV series, mm. uh, now it's all that's yeah, left is Surya, Malay, uh, Surya. Malay, then yeah. we got the full CMIO, holy qua, qua, quadruple superpower then we can become like Captain Singapore yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Captain so Singapore. I hope your your listeners if they, they watch it they like it go and write an open letter to, to Mediacore ask, ask for a season 2 yeah yes, yes, yeah. open letter share it with your friends and shit so, but, but, but you, I know you, you said the short films you can't be watched but the ones that you worked on with John Woo what was the what's the main project uh, the main one I worked on, worked on was The Crossing. The Crossing. The Crossing. Uh, crossing Part 1 and Part 2. Are, are you mm. in cameo It's called, it's called Taiping Lun. you cameo anywhere in there? No. No. Uh, but just, your name is uh, in the credits. Just, my uh. name is in the credits. Yao, Yao mm. Lishan. Uh. Yao Lishan. So yeah, guys, stay, I got, stay I got two. On. I got two credits. Oh, is it? Uh, one was, uh, executive, uh, was, was assistant uh. to director Mr. Wu. Yeah. And the other one was a translator of uh, Chinese subtitles to English. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so wow, so now okay. you have John Wu's number on your on your phone. Just anytime you just call him. What's up, John? How's it going, John? I, I probably wouldn't do that, but uh. if I wanted to do that, I probably could. You never see the, the John Woo's notes on the Amazing Showman eh, that he sent. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. And his video video message. Yeah, so right. stop, <laughs> stop, stop sending this to me. <laughs> if not, I'm going to block you. Yeah, what happened to you? Uh, why are you doing this? You did the crossing. You did the crossing. I remember one photo... One photo I took of Alex during the shoot that really encapsulated the whole experience. Uh, because they set up the director's mm. command, the command HQ in the void deck. The, you know, the HDB, <laughs> the stairwell. It's not the void deck, it's the, the stairwell. Sta- the stairwell. Yeah, la. stairwell and then, stairwell. So it was just one table and one screen and Alex just sat there by himself like staring oh, yeah, at yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I just quickly went to take a photo because there was like nothing around him and I was like, he went from, you know, John deserts Woods, in yeah. Kobe. <laughs> thousands of people. Thousands of people to sitting in a stairwell in HDB. I was like, where's my first shot going to start? <laughs> yeah, I First shot that. was supposed to be one o'clock. Now it's 2.15. I, I haven't that. had my first shot yet. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, uh, it's funny. But, but, but yeah. yeah, so so I mean, the, the the one way we always end our podcast is also with the with the one shock thing. Yes. Did, did anyone give you a heads up that you need a one shock thing? I think Terrence mentioned it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do oh, you? wait, he told me well, I'm supposed to come up with one shock thing myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so do you have something or you need a bit of a you guys go first? Uh? Okay. okay, Terrence, you, you got your one shock thing? Uh y- yes, I do. Hmm. Um, in fact, I have a few, la, but I just need to decide on which one to to talk about. So you, mm. you have yours, you can go ahead first. Um, I think, hmm, hmm. So, uh, what would be... If you have a few, yeah. you want to go ahead first? Yes, yes, yes I can, I can. Yeah. Uh, there is this um, very good video la, by this channel that I, I've been following for many years already. It's called Curse okay, Gazat. It's an animation channel that has uh, a few million subscribers. But they do very um, interesting animated videos about philosophy, about life, about 
about science, la, you know, science of black holes, science of It's everything. the one with very hard to spell name, la, right? Because I don't know what it, I know it means something in, in, mm. in some language, but um, basically, they, one of the recent videos they did, I, th- I felt was very timely and very touching was, it's called the tail end, uh, basically. And they, it's a, I mean, it's not a concept that's new. It's just that when they do it as an animation, it's much easier to comprehend. So, uh, is that the concept of, of they break down your life into the number of weeks that you live la, based on, you know, assuming your average lifespan is 80 or whatever mm. it is in your country. And then they show you, okay, this is how much time that you will spend with your parents. And then, and then assuming that every weekend or maybe once a year you see your parents for like three weeks, you know, during the holidays or something. So this is the amount of time, blah, blah. So they help you break down and then they just explain it during the video. You've already, once you've left the house, right? You've already spent more than 90% of the lifetime time that you will spend with your parents. Mm. So the moment you move out of your house already, that's, that's uh, in fact, once you're out of your childhood, basically, you you're only left with ten percent of the lifetime time that you will spend with your parents. So mm. what they're saying is that when you start to look at life in this way, la, then you realize that actually we a lot of things that we say that we put off that we don't want to do until later. Like I'll spend more time with my parents when I'm you know my career is fine. I'll I'll go for I'll visit this place again when you know my work is less busy. Then actually we have very very little. We are already at the tail end of that. The mm. time that we have with people and all that. Mm. So every instance you have to meet a friend or that, that could be the last time or the tail end of of the amount of time you actually spend with them. Like, you know, university friends and secondary school friends. So they made this video, you know, because we're coming to the, no, no, we're at the tail end of the pandemic also, like, right? Where we- I hope. Or we hope, like, mm. where we've basically been away from people for so long and um, they just wanted to also just make this to remind people that uh, if there's any time to do something you want to do, whether it's a pick up a new hobby, do your career change, you know, go and see your parents, go and meet up with your friends or that, you are at the tail end of your of your time to do that already. La. Did, did they say whether they collaborated with the Wait But Why guy? Tim Urban? Uh, yeah, no, they, 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 they mentioned that they, they uh, sourced it from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so they said that yeah. they loved his blog and everything. Yeah. And all that. So, but, great, but to put it as an animation was just them shook. I yeah. mean, you really... Because that you concept really, really is quite powerful. Yeah, like. yeah, it's really you, quite powerful. And when you see it as a visual. So, so Curse Gets, I mean, I can't mm. remember how to pronounce it. I usually watch it because they talk about signs of black holes and everything. So mm. I love all that scientific stuff. But this one I felt was like... Touching. Yeah, and I want I want people to watch it because it, especially at this point when we are moving out of Patuha mm. and then like, well, we need to prioritize what we do again and what we're going to do like, with our time. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought up a YouTube channel because it made me remember what I had shortlisted for my one show thing. It's this YouTube channel called Joma Tech. Mm. Um, it is basically this guy who is a full-time computer programmer. But while working as a programmer at Facebook, he just started a YouTube channel that kind of poked fun at what it means to be a programmer. Like just his short one-minute comedy skits. And it's fucking great. La. Like he he's kind of a, a geek. Uh, and he recently moved to New York and he started a... YouTube channel detailing his life in New York and now he started a newsletter and he's starting a game show so to me here's a guy who's like got a full-time job and he's very open about it he earns like 250000 a year as a computer programmer um, and he talks about he's, he's very self-deprecating and I just feel like well, as someone who who's doing a good balance of okay having this one thing that he knows he's good at but also pursuing his dreams of becoming a filmmaker which he has said I think it's, it's pretty cool to watch and 
Nowadays, it's not often I come across a new YouTube channel that I'm like, oh shit, this is cool. This is fresh. His videos are not super high production quality. He just films it in his New York apartment. But they're hilarious. Eh? So I fucking I fucking love his channel. He's he's the my new channel crush. He's How been, do you discover? He's been it? around, right? For for I one, two years. One, two years. I feel like, I feel like I've seen his stuff. Yeah, How yeah. do you discover it? I think I saw something on the site. Uh, just like, okay, a day in the life of an engineer. Because you know now mm. it's like day in the life of this. That's a day in the life of an engineer at Facebook. I thought it was going to be like a serious thing. Mm. But it's just a one minute short video. And then, you know, with YouTube, once you see one, it'll serve you a few more. Oh, yeah. Then I'm like, oh shit, this guy is, this guy is funny, man. He's mm. a funny guy. But yeah, so, I think so one, two comedy, years, like, mostly. Comedy, but uh, he also talks about, actually, yeah, more comedy. Okay. And he has said he, he wants to be a film director. So that's why... His videos, are, you can see it evolving in terms of its mm. angles and shots and all. So it's pretty cool. Uh, pretty Interesting. Cool. So yeah. finally, Mr. Yao. Mr. Yao. I can talk about, I can talk about a movie, right? Can, yeah, of course. As long as it's shareable, like someone can go watch it or yeah. something. Like. And not in I, Chinese, like, as in don't speak in Chinese. Like. No, it's in, uh, well, um, the, one, of the, one of the films I watched recently, I really enjoyed was this uh, film called Lady, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm. Uh, by this French director called uh, Celine Schiama. Mm. I don't know if I'm mutilating her name. I think you should be able to get it on Netflix, probably. Mm. It should be online. Uh, it was. It came out the same year as uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, that Bong Joon Ho won for a Parasite. Mm. Yeah, it's a great film. I really liked it. It's uh. a fr- it's a French female director. The story is about two young ladies in the 19th century. Mm. So this girl, uh, this lady, she's being. She's supposed to be married off to this aristocrat in mm. Italy. So he doesn't know what she looks like. And so the mother, her mother hires a painter to paint a portrait. Right? So this was before social media where you can just send uh, matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was like old school matchmaking. So mm. she hired this uh, young girl to, to, to draw her portrait. So both ladies are about uh, late, late teens, early 20s. Mm. And then throughout the, uh, while, while she's painting the portrait, uh, they have sort of, they sort of like fall in love with each other. Mm. Um, and it's, a, it's sort of like a sexual awakening for both of them. But mm. it's, not, it's, not, it's not lurid or like, like pornographic. It's actually very uh, romantic and it's very stylish. Um. Um, and then she eventually uh, marries the aristocrat. Yeah. And uh, it was just that one brief moment that they had together. Um, in their youth. And what made you want to watch that? You uh, heard about it or you were Yeah, because I, I heard about it then uh, I think during, during the time that uh, Parasite came out, someone mentioned it. Bong Joon-ho also oh. talked about it. So I was like, I want to check this out. Uh, uh, she's a young director. I think this is just a second feature film. And, mm. uh, you know, it's not, I mean, it's French movie, but it's not like one of those obscure, super artistic, mm. weird stuff. It's actually very uh, relatable. Oh, so uh, is it can watch with family on or don't, don't watch with your mother? Uh, there's a little bit of nudity. Okay, if you're okay really, with that, then no, no, that's cannot, fine. Cannot. It's awkward. Uh. Uh, but it's very, yeah. it's very, it's, it's, the photography is beautiful. The yeah. acting is great. Mm. I really enjoyed it. So I've been recommending to everyone. Can watch with, will you watch with your mother? Uh, I think maybe my mom quite quite open over oh, the years. Yeah. La. Like I think quite, and to me that's just funny. Like that kind of awkwardness in front, I think it's funny. Mm. I don't know how she feels. La. You know what they say is like, uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, correct, correct. Mm. Yeah, yeah. See ya, Sorry. see ya. What's that to do with watching with your mother? No, it's just like the... Because the, no, the you asked whether this is the sort of film you can watch with family. Yeah, no, so... No, I meant, I meant because of the nudity and everything. Yeah, la, but over time, that's I what mean, I thought de- you meant. I mean, it depends yeah. on how open your parents are, right? I mean, right. the nudity is not in a, in a, in a pornographic way. What? It's Conservative... A very, 
That's what you say now. Suddenly open is like fucking just gangbang. Yow! What the fuck? It's not one shock thing. Not that kind of shock. I'm a very conservative person, okay, yow? Then his level of pornography is like, That's why he's like, no, this is China. You go on the street, you can see really what? This is porn? What? Yeah, but but cool, man. Cool. Yeah, thanks thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. do you have any Instagram, Facebook page you want to plug? Or are you like, you're, you're... I have an Instagram page, uh-huh. but it's just pictures of my very boring life. So I don't know if you're... Yeah, your boring life, you know, working with John Woo and but all that. But it's public, la. La. it's public. Yeah, it's a public. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Just put it out there. It is. It is uh, the YLSS, T-H-E, Y-L-S-S. Y-L-S-S. The Yao Lishan with an extra S. Okay, ah, okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. Anything else, Terrence? No. All right. Peace out. Thank you guys for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please share with at least one person who may not have heard of it. And as always, the show notes are on our subreddit. Cool.